today by calling 812-282-5400 or visit and shop at our website at kratzsports.com. Honey Baked Ham in New Albany is the perfect spot for a healthy alternative to fast food. They provide a variety of freshly made sandwiches, as well as salads and delicious soups. And you can dine in or take it to go. They also have many dinner options such as ham, turkey, frozen sides, and desserts, which provide a complete meal. Catering is also available for small groups or large gatherings. Call Honey Baked Ham today, 812-941-9426, or visit them, 3602 Northgate Court. Suite 23 in New Albany. Cards fans, UofL's Master of Science in Accountancy and Analytics takes accounting to a whole new level by adding in-depth data analytics courses to create a new mastery of accounting. AACSB accredited and STEM designated 11-month competitive internship opportunities and full access to the Becker CPA exam review prepare you to graduate career-ready in only 13 months. For more information, visit business.louisville.edu slash MBA. Not everyone can be a champion in high school sports, but everyone can be a champion of high school sports. That's right. Fans and parents can be champions. Coaches and officials, educators, and the media can all be champions of high school sports. I'm Paul Knighty, Commissioner of the IHSAA. And I'm Assistant Commissioner Janie Ulmer. Being a champion of high school sports is about so much more than winning and losing, setting records, or raising trophies. It's about supporting the mission of education-based athletics, preserving the opportunity for student-athletes to grow and develop in the second classroom, and to protect high school sports for future generations to come. Champions of high school sports are just one of the many reasons that education-based athletics in Indiana are so special. And the easiest way to be a champion is by buying a ticket to your high school's athletic event. This is showing support. This is championing high school sports. This is your IHSAA. When design is key to your landscape project, give Walnut Ridge Landscape and Design a call at 812-288-6691. Walnut Ridge has more experience than any landscape company in the area. Remember, Walnut Ridge Landscape and Design. When design is key to your project and you want the most experienced landscaping company in the area, give Walnut Ridge a call at 812-288-6691. Walnut Ridge Landscape and Design, when design is key. Roosters, a fun, casual joint. Join us at Roosters every Monday, all day, for the boneless wing special. Only 79 cents each. Roosters has salads, wings, sandwiches, pizzas, and all of your favorite adult beverages. Roosters has a great family atmosphere. Fun for the whole family. Roosters has TVs everywhere, so you can watch your favorite team. Roosters on Dixie Highway, Preston Highway, Fern Creek, Shelbyville Road, and Springhurst. In five, four, three. Who are you? He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute. I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited to feel these nipples. That boy's good. Mm-hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! <laughs> 
This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos, motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. Welcome, everybody. It's Friday, January 19th. This is the Mike Rutherford Show. We're coming to you from the world-famous University of Louisville College of Business Studios here in still, actually, even more snowy Louisville, Kentucky. Cards fans, if you want to take accounting to a whole new level, and who doesn't, you can do so with the UofL's Master's in Accounting and Analytics. In-depth data analytics courses will allow you to achieve a new mastery of accounting in this AACSB-accredited program. They've also got 11-month competitive internship opportunities and full access, not just partial access, to the Becker CPA exam review. These jokers out there, they're giving you partial access to the Becker CPA exam review. They don't have you prepared to graduate career-ready in just 12 months, which is what the UofL College of Business does. Visit business.louisville.edu today to begin your journey. We're on the air today from 3.06 until 6 here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM, streaming all over the planet Earth and beyond. You know it's better as the Big X. It is a Friday edition. We're excited. Happy weekend to you. Not sure if you've been having to hang out with the kiddos because school's being canceled or if you're stuck at home, working from home because of the snow. But regardless, thank you so much for spending some time with us here on this afternoon. Also spending some time with us uh, this afternoon, first of all, we have Gary Clark producing the show as always. Gary, how are you? I'm good. You sound great. Trying to keep warm. Trying to keep warm. Well, it's warm in the studio. It's always, they do a good job with the thermostat. It's never, even with these windows back here, the rooms can get a little cold. They, they do a good job. I'm feeling pretty good. And if it gets a little too warm, we can just crack open that window. Easy solutions to easy problems. That's what we do here at Big Exports Radio. We've also got back again, second week in a row, Matt McGavick from Louisville Report. Follow him on Twitter at Matt underscore McGavick. Buddy, how are we? Doing good. Uh oh. Uh oh. Wrong. No, no, I think you got it back. Go back to the go back to the room. Oh, we good? We there good. we go. Now we got. Right, we're now we're good. We're good. We, we never know. It, it's a it's it's Mike Roulette here. Yeah, no kidding. I was tapping and making sure it was the right one, and I couldn't hear anything. It's but, a guessing uh, game. But yeah, I'm doing good. I was actually listening yesterday, and I can appreciate that you think that the show gets smarter when I come on. Well, you, you smarten up the show a little bit, uh, uh, just a little bit. Uh, a little. Well, it's not hard to do. <laughs> but we are happy to have you back here. We will talk. Uh, we will do our damnedest to talk some football because we have football news to discuss. We've got mm-hmm. transfer portal. 24 players officially enrolled at UofL. Two not. We can discuss that. We've got football rumors and innuendo out there. We can kind of dance around. We can talk about some of the things that are floating around, some reports out there. We can get ready for the NFL playoffs this weekend, which we're very excited about. We've also got you know still some basketball fallout. But we do have Wake Forest to preview. As, you know, the, the, the folks, the... Air quotations preview. The radio <laughs> listeners are clamoring for more X's and O's previews for this Louisville men's basketball program. We have the UofL women winning last night and remaining undefeated in the ACC. All good things are happening here on this Friday. Matt, how's the week been, though? It's been good. I just I, I wish it was a little bit warmer. Now, I'm someone who likes the cold, but when the wind gets involved, oh, God, no, that, that, that just bites down to the bone. I, I, I can't stand that. Like I like the snow. I like the cold. I like that more so than the summer. But the second the wind gets involved, yeah, no, I'm just going to stay bumbled up. I'm with you too on that. Like, I, I, I grew up. I don't like the winter as much as I did when I was a kid, for obvious reasons. The older I get, the the, the more I just I don't want to be cold. I don't like being cold, but I can handle it. You know, if I'm like, I'll go home tonight. I'm sure I'll walk the dog around the. She, she demands her her nightly walk. And if you get bundled up enough, it doesn't feel that terrible out there, and you can kind of enjoy it. But when the when you do find yourself in like a wind tunnel, it's the worst feeling in the world. I never knew. 
and I know that you know, middle Ohio is not the coldest place in America, but when you went to Dayton, like there was a different, it was a different level. You would walk to class and you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a campus. So you've got all these buildings and you would invariably end up in like a wind tunnel where these buildings are just creating these like vortexes. And I would turn a corner toward, I, I can never forget this. I think about it every single time I'm on a cold walk. I had this music and film class that I really liked, but I would turn the corner and it was the word I knew it was knew it was coming, and like you felt like just the portal to Hoth had opened up, and you're just getting <laughs> drilled. Shout out to the nerds out there that are listening. You just got we're getting drilled with just the word, and it was like I only had to walk through that little tunnel for like 45 seconds. It was the worst 45 seconds of my week every week. I hated it. I still hate it. Yeah, it's, it's awful. Like, it's like when I walk my dog downtown. It, depending on like what direction yeah. the wind is coming from, I'll be walking up Third Street thinking like, okay, it's it's cold, but it's it's, it's not too terribly bad. And then I'll turn on to like Broadway or something. And just the full force of just every wind possible is right in my face. I'm like, no, I, I, I want to turn back around and go back home now. It's the worst. It's the absolute worst. But it's been, you know, it hasn't been, it's been pretty cold. I could use this like pretty snow with like 28 degree temperatures as opposed to what we've got down to like 14, 12. But it's not, this weekend's going to be bad. Beginning of next week, I think it's going to warm up a little bit. And then it's supposed to get cold again. Whatever. It's, it's January. This is what you expect. This is what comes with the territory. Uh, it's been a long week around here. I, I I thought it was Wednesday on Tuesday. I thought it was Friday yesterday. It's been it's been tough. Appreciate everybody hanging in there with us. It's been a it's, yeah, interesting week around here. And, yeah. You know, Louisville not winning basketball games and Kenny Payne having press conference faux pas. You know, it doesn't make it any easier. Yeah, I mean, when you've got this time of year and you don't have uh, quality basketball to soothe over the doldrums of winter, it does it makes it a little bit a little bit chillier out there? We have covered in consecutive games. There's that. Actually, three. I mean, I guess we pushed against NC State. That wound up going off at six. We covered on Wednesday night, and we we you know, we straight up one against Miami. So you know, there's there's Turner cornering Turner corner turnering. <laughs> easy for me to say. It's been a long week. Corner turning happening all over the place. We're good with that. But we do have a big weekend ahead. I'm excited for not just my Lions to take the field on Sunday and potentially make the NFC Championship game for just the second time in my lifetime. But also Lamar Jackson taking the field tomorrow for the Baltimore Ravens, looking to flip a lot of these narratives about his playoff ability on their heads. And you know, I thought the Athletic had a really good piece today talking about, you know, he looks around and he, he was thinking about the rookie class that he came to Baltimore with. And all these guys now that are all spread out across the entire NFL. And you know, they're playing one of them this weekend against the, the, the Texans. And he was like, there are only three of us left from my rookie class. And he, he's like, thinking about that just made me reflect on I'm getting old like you know I've been in this league since 2018 it's been a long time and he's like I'm 27 this is the perfect time to win a championship like you know the the MVP stuff like that's cool but it's time to get it done in the playoffs and I think that just anything short of getting to the Super Bowl this year is going to continue this narrative of the dude's electric he does things that we've never seen before he certainly improved as a pocket passer The, the numbers are great but can't get it done. Can't get it done in the playoffs. And I, I I don't want that to happen. Now, if they play the Lions in the Super Bowl, it's like, you know, that, that would suck. Yeah. I'd be fine with him <laughs> coming up a little bit short in the Super Bowl. But I really, as somebody who just adores Lamar and who thinks that a lot of the things that have been said about him have been totally unfair for dating back to his college career, I, I'm very ready for these people that are just foaming at the mouth at the idea of him 
giving a, a, a subpar playoff performance again. I'm ready for all these people just to be shut up forever. Yeah, especially since in, in their uh, their last playoff run, it wasn't really Lamar's fault that they kind of got bounced early. It was more so with the defense. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who they played, but the defense couldn't really stop anyone. And Lamar, when you look at the stat line, it actually wasn't too bad. You you can't couldn't really point to it and say this was the reason that they lost. But, of course, when you're the quarterback, we know you get too much credit when things go right and too much blame when things go wrong. So that's naturally was kind of manifested with Lamar – Fair or not, but you know a lot. A lot of their playoff woes aren't really his fault. So it, it's not going to come easy this weekend because I mean no. I, I watched that Browns Texans game and I told people like yeah I think this will be a good game because the, the Browns have have a really good defense. They've got the number one defense in the league. Their offense is starting to click even though with all their injuries. And then CJ Stroud and the Texans just mollywhopped them and said what defense? Mm-hmm. I, I think I mean the Lamar thing. One and three in the playoffs. Which I, I do hate when people are like he's never won a playoff game. Like, well, he's won one, and then you feel kind of better. Oh, it's just one. Well, I'm just saying you're wrong. Oh, nuance. Uh. He's won a game. He's won a game, but seven turnovers in those in those four games. He's had some moments. Uh, you know, he had a good second half in that the, the comeback law. You know, they, the, I guess, the Jaguars game, the first playoff game, where they were getting destroyed, and he has a, he had a really good second half, but it did not, in a lot of people's minds overcome how bad he was in the first half of that game. And even the game that, that they won in the playoffs, he was it was not a gigantic offensive onslaught. So you see these numbers, you see how the offense has been revamped this year, and it's more of a traditional passing offense. He's doing less with his legs, and I think you have to hope that he goes out there and gets it done tomorrow. But you're right. I mean, the, the, the Texans are coming off a game where they had two pick sixes. The, the defense was taking advantage of mistakes. If he does slip up again and, and make some of these, these poor decisions that he's made in the playoffs, this feels like a a Houston Texans defense that will be, you know, they're going to be advantageous. Like, Especially since this Ravens team is, is not only the best in football, it's the best the best Ravens team that he's had. I mean, for sure. Their, their defense is phenomenal. While they, the Browns, yeah, they have the number one defense, but the Ravens are, are right behind them. I mean, their defense is, is stifling. And that uh, that offense under, it, you know, it, it's, it's amazing when you finally get rid of Greg Roman, how good that mm-hmm. offense really looks. I mean, I don't think Todd Monken's perfect, but I mean, there's there's no questions that the the Ravens' offense looks leaps and bounds better than what it did uh, previously under Roman. I mean, now Lamar doesn't have to use his legs involved, including that. I mean, they've done a good job at you know, like getting players with him. Like, I mean, Zay Flowers. I mean, we've seen firsthand how good he can be, and as a rookie, he's already established himself as one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. So Lamar finally has got his has his number one weapon. Kind of fingers crossed that Mark Andrews is going to come back. It mm-hmm. seems like things are looking optimistic on that front. I'm not sure what the injury status is with the running backs, but I mean, they no matter who they have at running back, they've been kind of relying on that stable of backs there. So I mean, while while the Texans are coming off a a great win, I think the Ravens are prepped to probably be the AFC's representative in the Super Bowl. At least I would think so. They're definitely the most balanced team that, that Lamar's had since he's been there because the. Yeah. What the, was the 2019 when they were 14 and two, and and so good? The unanimous MVP year. Yeah, yeah he, you know they were still a defensive heavy team. I mean, he was electric on offense, but it was like the passing game was lacking a little bit. He didn't have the weapons that he has now, and it showed in the playoffs when he was. I mean, he was bad in, in the loss to the Titans, where it was I think 28-12 was the final. Mm-hmm. This feels like the most balanced team. It also feels like the there's more of a gap between them and the teams that are are competing with them in the ACC than I think there was in that season. I, I know the Bills and the Chiefs are very good. But at least you know, the Texans are coming off a, a solid performance. Everything on paper, though, says Baltimore should win this game and should win it 
you know, relatively handily. Like well, they, that's, that's why they play the games. It's why they play the games. I mean, I, 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 I just feel like if he doesn't get it done this year, then this is going to be a narrative that just envelops him, that just takes over his anything positive that he does during the regular seasons, which is, you know, this is what we do in sports. Yeah. It's the narrative until it won't be the narrative. Exactly. And, and people, this athletic story, they even go back and talk about his time at Louisville. He put up all these crazy stats. He revamped, you know, the, 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 the perception of the brand of Louisville athletics, but they never won 10 games, but they lost bowl games his last two years. Like all, all this stuff is still out, out there. And it's just kind of feeding this whole notion that he's not a winner when the lights are the brightest and that people that play the way that he does, Hmm. People hmm. that play the way that he does can't win when the stage gets big enough, and I, I'm I'm ready for that narrative to be done forever. He's I'm not quarter, get it done. he's not quarterbacky. Enough. Not quarterbacky enough. Not you know. There's just there's just something about him that I just don't trust as much as, as some other pocket passer guys. It's just I don't I don't know what it is. There's just some like I'm ready for that to stop. I'm just ready. just kind of casually throwing out the fact that if you are a pocket passer in the modern NFL, then you're almost useless just because like it's getting to the point with quarterbacks where like. If you're not mobile in some way, you, I mean, you don't have to be like Lamar Jackson or have anything like resembling his abilities mm-hmm. with his legs. But like, if you're a, a Joe Flacco, a Tom Brady, I mean, like, you you just you, you don't fit in the modern in the modern game because you have to be able to to scramble some and extend plays with your yeah. legs. Because if you don't, I mean, you're going to go the way of the dodo. For sure. I mean, I, you have to at least extend plays. I think is the key thing. If you can't evade a pass rush at all and give your receivers a little bit more time to get open. You're just going to, and that's kind of my concern with the lines, not just this weekend, but but big picture. Whenever they've is Jared Goff when he gets pressured is just not good, and he is not fleet of foot enough to extend plays a lot. He did it a couple times, key moments against the Rams, but the book, like everyone knows what to do against the lines is if you get in the backfield, like he's going to screw up, and ultimately I think that's the thing that keeps you. While I'm enjoying this run, I think they've got a good chance to beat the Bucks on Sunday and make it to the NFC title game. I don't view them as a realistic like. Super Bowl contender just because of that one thing alone. I think if you yep. get to him, and I mean, Lord knows the Niners are going to get to him, we don't really have much of a pivot. But we'll find out. Though, can you imagine if it was a Ravens Lions Super Bowl? Because in that in that moment, a former Louisville great quarterback is going to get a ring, regardless yeah. of what the outcome is. It's Teddy Lamar. I mean, I would be torn because you know, if obviously my desire to see the Lions go to the Super Bowl and, and win the Super Bowl at some point in my life greatly exceeds any other rootings in the NFL, but if there is a distant second, it's rooting for Lamar and yeah. trying to, to, to see him win a Super Bowl. So if the Lions lose, it's not like I'm not going to be crushed on Sunday, but hopefully I'll at least have a pivot, which is cheering for the Ravens. Yeah. If they play each other, then that's going to, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm a Colts fan, <clears throat> so I'm just rooting for chaos, honestly. Sure, I mean, I don't blame you. People are like, what, what, what would you do if the Lions play the Ravens? I'm like, pull for the Lions. That's what fandom, that's what fandom is. Yeah. I would want to see the Lions win like 69-65 or something yeah, like that. The only other but. thing that I want other than a Ravens-Lions Super Bowl is just to see the Bills crush the Chiefs. Just because as an NFL fan, I'm tired of the Chiefs. Just I'm tired of everything. the Chiefs too. It's, a, it's time. It's time. Um, Alright, we've got uh, we, we, we've plenty to get to. I, I don't know. <laughs> I want to talk about football today. We, you know, we, we had the plan to do it last week, and of course... But will like, the text line let you? <laughs> I was like, you know, good luck. But when we also have... As exciting as it is to get this transfer portal class signed and, and have these kids on campus, 24 of them announced today, the, the big story in the world of most Louisville fans is still, I think, the, the basketball team yeah. and what Kenny Payne said on, on, on Wednesday after the game. This whole... Year one, year two. I mean, the the jokes are easy. It's low hanging fruit. 
I'm sure we'll, we'll indulge at some point today. Mm-hmm. But before we, you know, I, I don't want to spend an entire day on this again because we did yesterday. Not a rant. It was. I didn't rant. Just don't don't let anybody tell you that I ranted. <laughs> I do want to hear your thoughts because I respect your opinion. You, you obviously have a big voice here locally. The the Kenny Payne quote. Forget about the the Hubert Davis part of it for a second, and just the whole notion that year one kind of didn't count for him, and that this is he, he views this as his first season on the job. I mean, in a laundry list of excuses we've already heard from Kenny Payne. I mean, that's. That's got to be the cherry on top. I mean, it, it just all but confirms that, it, I mean, even if you had a shred of doubt that he doesn't just like to play the blame game and it's all and say that it's always someone else's fault, I mean, that, that kind of sold it for you. And plus, it's just a slap in the face to not only the fans who watched the product last year, but the players that were on the floor. I mean, how can you look at some of these guys in the face that played last year for Louisville and say that, yeah, what you were doing, what the blood, the sweat, the tears that you're giving, all of the effort, all of the work that you're giving towards this program, yeah, doesn't matter. Your your efforts, your time, your sacrifice, hmm, doesn't matter to me. Timing has never been Kenny's thing, and I'm sure this didn't enter his mind when he made the comment, but it was the the absolute worst time just because – Look, I, I know Jalen Withers is not having a fantastic season for North Carolina, but a guy from last year's team, we, you, your big your big thing last year was we just don't have the, the horses, right? We, we don't have the guys. Yeah. We don't have the not good character, not from good family. Like We're going to get our type of guys in here, guys that you can be proud of starting next year. And one of those guys that got caught up in that, that comment was Jalen Withers. And you're making this whole comment about last year didn't count and, and implying that it was because you didn't have your type of players after one of those guys just went off for 15 and 10 against you while playing for the number four team in the country. It's just like, you know, again, I'm not, I'm sure that didn't go into his mind, but like maybe, maybe it should have. It's, it's not, it was the worst possible time. You, if Withers had been terrible in that game and he's been not very good for UNC at all this year, like, okay, like yeah, this, then maybe that comment would have made sense in some regard. A little bit. Like it still would have been, I think for the fan base be like, okay, like you you can't do this because this is a, like Kenny Payne's not the first guy to do this. This is a, a consistent thing across sports where coaches who are floundering will try to say this is actually like my first year because now I'm getting my players in, now I'm getting a chance to build my culture, my systems in place and all this stuff. And almost every single time, it is a gigantic sign that points in the direction of dude's not going to be here in, in at least a couple of years. Yeah, and, and I've seen it firsthand before Kenny Payne because during my time on the Georgia Tech beat, that was, I believe, year two under Jeff Collins. Oh, and, boy. Yeah, exactly. And oh something boy. something that I heard consistently was that he viewed his first year at the helm as his year zero because of what he inherited. And for those who don't know, uh, Jeff Collins was the head coach at Georgia Tech, and he, he was the first guy that came after Paul Johnson had retired who ran the triple option and, and ran it fairly well. But Jeff Collins, he wanted to institute a more traditional, modern-day offense, which I get it. But because of the roster construction of what he inherited, he kind of viewed that first year of his as his quote-unquote year zero just because the, the what you have to run the triple option is, on, like when it comes to like roster and size and all that, it, it doesn't equate at all to if you want to run like a traditional modern 
college football offense. It's it's night and day. So he would always say that he thought his first year was year zero. And then not a comforting comparison. Not a comforting comparison. And for those who don't know, Jeff Collins went three and nine in every one of his years at Georgia Tech and actually did not make it through the last year. And then as soon as they fired him, the Yellow Jackets looked considerably better. And the Yellow Jackets looked really good under Brent Key this past season. It's I know we have to take an early break here today, but the thing that drives me crazy about it is the implication is that you were just like the roster was set when you got the job. It's like you got the job in mid-October, and the reality is you got the job before the current season was over. It was mid-March. You were hired. You had plenty of time to bring in players. You did bring in some players. You skipped on some others. You could have done more to make 2022-2023 less of an abject failure. There's no excuse for even the roster that you did put together to be 4-28. and uh, we got to take a break. When we come back, we will have more with Matt McGavick. We'll talk some football. We'll hear from you here, right here on The Big X. the perfect spot for a healthy alternative to fast food. They provide a variety of freshly made sandwiches as well as salads and delicious soups. And you can dine in or take it to go. They also have many dinner options such as ham, turkey, frozen sides, and desserts, which provide a complete meal. Catering is also available for small groups or large gatherings. Call Honey Baked Ham today, 812-941-9426, or visit them, 3602 Northgate Court, Suite 23 in New Albany. Kratz Sporting Goods is Southern Indiana's team sports specialist and is your local Adidas team product dealer. Kratz specializes in outfitting your team, organization, club, or business in apparel, hard goods, and accessories from Adidas and many others. Kratz offers fundraising opportunities for your team, organization, or club through online web stores. Let our friendly staff get you started today by calling 812-282-5400 or visit and shop at our website at kratzsports.com. Hi, this is Nathan, General Manager at your local AirServe. We know it's cold, but we are here for our customers in any weather. We are working around the clock to ensure that you'll be comfortable in your home. If your heat is off, call us now. Or if it's working, call AirServe for a free peace of mind safety inspection and tune-up for only $69. We are here for our customers during this weather. Stay warm, stay comfortable, stay AirServe. Until about 10 years ago, for any electrical work I needed at my house, I was always calling a different electrician, sometimes for the same job. Things weren't done right and they weren't done on time, but for the last 10 years, Allen Electrical has been the only one I call. The work is unparalleled, it's prompt, the team's the epitome of professionalism. (laughs) You know, when I see an Allen Electrical truck in a neighbor's driveway, I kind of smile because I know they're getting the best. Allen Electrical, your electrician for life. Visit allenelectrical.com. They'll never leave you in the dark. Check out Thornton's all-new Southern Style Biscuits, the perfect complement to your morning breakfast sandwich. You will love the buttery goodness that will wake up your taste buds in the morning. Come on in and grab a breakfast sandwich today. Looking for an icy cold thirst quencher to keep your day going in the right direction? Well, right now, all 32-ounce fountain drinks and smaller are only 89 cents. You heard it right, only 89 cents. So come in today and grab a fountain drink from Thornton's. 
The plumbers, pipe fitters, welders, and HVAC technicians of Local 502's commitment to excellence can be seen in our community every day. The KFC Yum Center, Ford Motor Company, and the Omni Hotel are just a few examples of their professional craftsmanship. Local 502 has been part of our community for over a century and invests over $1 million annually training skilled local workers. Members of Local 502 are your friends, neighbors, and children's coaches. For more information, go to lu502.com. Local 502, built on excellence, building a better tomorrow. Here's what you missed on Kentucky Roll Call. Is Hall of Fame head coach John Calipari. Recruiting is the talk of the town. What message would you tell UK fans that are getting excited about an upcoming class? Well, you know, I, I think we've, you know, kids want to play here. They want to be here. They want to, uh, they understand the culture. But they know coming in what this is and what it isn't. It's about developing young people. You ready? And developing a team. It's both. And having people watch your team and say, wow, that is so enjoyable to watch. Man, they play hard and they play together. That's developing team. The other part is developing individual players. And we've done that from John Wall to Eric Bledsoe all the way to Oscar Sheebway, developing players. But you got to do both. And so all I can say is we're recruiting the best players. Kentucky Roll Call, weekdays 7 to 9 on the Big X Sports Radio. Welcome back in. Friday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here, 1450-961, the Big X. Uh, we are uh, here with Matt McGavick in studio from Louisville Report. Uh, Matt, I'd be remiss if I if I didn't bring this up. It's been a, a weird week for both of us professionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you do Louisville Report does operate underneath the umbrella of Sports Illustrated, and, and they had some, as, as has become... All too often in sports media, the last—I mean, basically since you and I have been doing this—I know. Uh, just had some bad news about mass layoffs and putting kind of the future of the publication and the brand in a little bit of jeopardy. It's sad for I think any sports fan, but for you personally, is you know, I'm sure that it's not comforting news to wake up to for sure. No, it wasn't. I mean, I don't think that the news will affect me personally right now i th- i think i'll Good. have i think there's going to be just some sort of fallout later on down the road but i, I think for now my job is safe because technically my site doesn't fall under the umbrella of si national it operates under the umbrella of the team sites that's kind of associated with sports illustrated so i think good I'm good on that part but i mean we've i've already had to take a, a pay cut once because of everything going on with Arena Branch Group, but I'll just leave it at that. It's a terrifying thing. I mean, as, as somebody who worked for you know, SB Nation, uh, still do with Card Chronicle, but no longer on the college basketball side of things, at least only on a freelance basis. It's you would hear. I mean, with iHeart, certainly. I think that story. We just had the the four year anniversary of that. The Hooters in Jeffersonville. Shout out, love you. <laughs> but you know, every single time there's a, a big announcement about 
hey, hearing that they're going to be mass layoffs, hearing that they're going to be cuts and all this stuff, it's it's, it's terrifying. And you just kind of mm-hmm. wait for that call or wait for that email and figure out what's going to happen. The ironic thing is that when they, they finally like let everybody from SB Nation go during the summer of the pandemic, like nobody even reached out to me. I just <laughs> I had a couple of buddies over there and I was like, I was like, is this furlough ever going to end? And they're like, I'm pretty sure we all got let go. And they only kept a couple of people around. So I was like, oh, well, that's, a, I guess I got lost in the shuffle there because I was technically still employed on the, the car chronicle side of things, but not doing the college basketball so that was like oh like it was a slow burn it was was bad but i know it's a it's always a scary thing and and you're seeing a lot of people today just whatever happens with sports illustrated it it seems like it's not going to be the same like i I, know there are people predicting that they're going to just get rid of the the magazine altogether or at least the the physical form of the magazine and it is crazy to think I, i know that we had these conversations all the time about how quickly things have changed in the sports media landscape but sports illustrated is like you know it's it's the golden goose it was like the big thing for all of us growing up was oh my god who's on the si cover this week and you know, even when i was like younger like I, I would read sports illustrated i would read sports illustrated for kids when i was young it was my first introduction to sports writing and some of the biggest you know i always bring this up when i talk about when we talk about like lebron james you know it was he's my age like we're in the same grade and there wasn't this wall-to-wall coverage of you know 12, 13, 14, 15 year old basketball phenoms back in the day. Like, you, you know, if you weren't going to like Clark Francis Hoop Scoop or like knee deep in some of these these early internet websites, you didn't know about kids until they you know, were, were like seniors and you would read about them. And so when Sports Illustrated wrote that thing about LeBron with the, the famous The Chosen, the chosen one cover one, yeah. when he was a junior in high school, like that was, the, I was like, oh my God, like, like I, I'd never heard of this kid. And I'm reading about him. I'm seeing Danny Ainge saying, there isn't a player in the NBA that I wouldn't trade to have LeBron right now. And I'm like, holy bleep. Like this, and that really set the tone for the, the mass just phenomenon that was LeBron, for him playing games on ESPN the next year and for him ultimately getting suspended for part of his senior season because investigations into the car that he was driving and all that stuff. And you know, without Sports Illustrated, that doesn't happen. The Sebastian Telfair thing, very similar. Like like his name gets blown up to another level when he's on the cover of SI. And and it was just such a, a huge landscape shifting thing whenever you had somebody written about an SI for so long. And it's just – I know it, that's changed a little bit in recent years, but still to see it go away entirely – or, or to be just a shell of what it once was, is it, it's super sad. Yeah, fortunately, it's not going away entirely. We had a, a representative from the arena group who is who has the license to operate Sports Illustrated. They said that you know either we're going to operate it or someone else is going to have the license to operate it, and I doubt it's going to be Arena because you know they missed a two point eight million dollar payment to continue operating it. Also but, not comforting. Yeah, also very not comforting, which is me. <laughs> you know, it's the reason that I got a pickup, but neither here nor there. But anyways, I've already uh, talked too much about that. It's okay. Uh, but like, I, I, the only cool thing about this news today is everyone's sharing their favorite Sports Illustrated covers, which has been fun to see some of those, especially the Louisville ones. I've got one of my like groomsman gifts when I was in a wedding was a framed picture of like the two SI covers before the 2013 fun, because this was in 2012, I think, mm-hmm. the, the 80 and the 86 national time. And then I got the, the, the 2013 one framed as well. But there have been some cool ones over the years. Like the, you, you would always have the, I think they still do it, the March in the March Madness preview edition, where they would have a representative from every team, from every team, yeah, and then you know they have the certain 
favorites would have a bigger like the T Will was huge in two thousand nine and you know some other people were, were were bigger than the rest of the people. Like those were always really, really cool. The Lamar Jackson, the what just what happened. Just happened yeah. I mean that I was, still have that in a box yeah. yeah. When that happened that was like you know, we became the you know, you, you were like it's official. We're the biggest story in college football right now, which was crazy. Like, you know, those things still matter and they're still very, very cool to talk about. So it's uh yeah, it, it's it's sad to see it changing, but it, like you said, it, it seems like it's not going to go away entirely. The RIPSI hashtag is probably a little bit overkill. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit much. It, it's it's still staying there, but it's definitely not going to be the same thing. It, it, I mean, it hasn't been what it used to be for a while, sure. now, but it's definitely going to take a, a bit of a step back. Now, how much of a step back it takes back, I have no clue, but hopefully it, it stays somewhat recognizable, but I'm not optimistic. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, when my buddy Brian Smith, who played at, at Trinity, uh, when we were seniors in high school, uh, Brian Brom was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, which it wasn't just a feature on Brian Brom. Let's 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 make that. I don't want to give <laughs> Brian any any praise. It was a feature on high school athletes no longer playing multiple sports and stuff, and they focused on on Brian and Michael Bush, and you know, yeah, it was a big deal at Trinity that he was sitting on his helmet for the picture. You can't do that. You can't sit on the helmet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we the Michael Bush story. The funniest thing about Michael Bush was how much they forced it because some of my best friends played baseball at Mayo. And we're really tight with Michael. They, they played football with, with Bush as well, but also played baseball. And part of the story was because they wanted to fit this narrative. Bush played basketball and football. Brian played all three sports. He played baseball, basketball, and football. And so with Bush, they, they teased it like he was going to play baseball his senior year. <laughs> like he played growing up, and he had this 95-mile-an-hour fastball. And all my friends, they're, they're like, he's not going to play. Like he, he's, he's, talking, he's making up stories about how accomplished he was as a 12-year-old baseball player to fit the Sports Illustrated narrative. And I was like, oh, that's – that's good. And yeah, got to play it up somehow. Yeah. And yeah, Mayo ended up having still having a really good team my senior year. They lost in the state championship game. Maybe if Bush had played, they would have won it all. Who knows? Uh, speaking of things that are no longer what they were, we were talking about Louisville men's basketball before the break there. The <laughs> loss to North Carolina, the Kenny Payne postgame comments that are, I think are still dominating the local sports landscape. We can get back to that a little bit later. But I, I think we would be remiss if we didn't bring up the football news from today. Which, among other things, there's a decent amount going on with the football program. But we found out today, Jeff Brom's top-rated transfer portal class of 2024 now has 24 of its 26 quote-unquote commits enrolled at UofL for the, the the winter semester here. The only two players who are not enrolled at UofL that I guess are going to wait until May are Thor Griffith from Harvard and Mark Redman, the tight end from San Diego State. I'm assuming, I don't know if you've can confirm or deny this. I'm assuming they're waiting to get their degrees in May, which for Griffith, yeah. I mean, you kind of say, I mean, yeah, there's it's worth waiting five months for a Harvard degree. Yeah, no, I mean, Griffith is still at Harvard and Redmond is still at San Diego State. They're still taking classes. There's no, there's literally nothing to look into there. They're just still at their respective schools finishing classes out in the semester. And even when you go online to the roster, I mean, Griffith and Redmond are there. They're, there, so they're on the roster, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, there's literally nothing to working to worry about. So I wouldn't look into it. Uh, the only thing that they, I think does kind of stand out is if, if you're Redmond in particular, you, you have a crowded tight end room right now. Playing time is going to be competitive. He's kind of viewed as the guy that I think most people would say, oh, he's probably the favorite to be the starter. But you do have Jamari Johnson coming back, a guy who was a highly touted freshman. You brought in two other tight ends, including Jalil Skinner from Miami, who was a highly touted prospect as well, who played well for, for the U a couple of years ago. Dylan Messman's coming in as a true freshman. Isaiah Cummings is coming over from Kentucky. So you've got op- Nate Kariski's coming back. You've got options at the tight end position, so maybe if he's doesn't get to go through spring practice here, he's a little bit more behind than you'd like once he gets here in the summer. That's the only thing that I'm thinking, but I'm sure he has his, his rationale for finishing out whatever he needs to do at San Diego State. And Griffith is kind of self-explanatory. It's, yeah, it's I mean, a Harvard it, it, It's Harvard. Yeah, yeah. He, I think he said that in his in his commitment post where he was like, I've you know 
I've accomplished all I want to accomplish on on the academic side of things. And this is not a shot at the U of L, you know, College of Business or postgrad. We obviously love the U of L College of Business, but he was like, whatever my next move is, it's all about football. Like, like I've got a Harvard degree. That's pretty much all I need to do for uh, on the academic side of things. Now I'm going to see how far I can go in football. People project me to be an NFL draft pick. Let's go somewhere where I can showcase my skills, and and that's what he's using U of L for. And if we're being fair, that's what U of L is using him for. I mean, it, and plus it's a compliment on Lowell to for have a guy like him who's got very real NFL talent and potential to say that his next move is going to be solely on football only. So I mean, this is a guy who could have gone to like Ohio State, Michigan, Bama, Georgia, like any one of those guys, and he chose Louisville. I mean, I mean, yeah. if that's not an indictment on how far Jeff Brom has came along in just one year on the job, I don't know what is. And he said no uncertain terms when he initially announced that he was in the transfer portal that he wanted to go to Ohio State or Michigan. Was what, was what he came out and said, I want to go to Ohio mm-hmm. State or Michigan, and he ends up picking Louisville. That's uh, it's pretty good. Let's talk. So we, you know, last week when we were on the show, we had not had the the Tyler Barron news. Uh, Louisville has, has bolstered its its defense defense with a couple more transfer portal players this week. That defensive line, Whew. I mean, you've got two of the best, and this is not off season hyperbole where you're just trying to to inflate the egos of the fan base you have two of the best edge rushers in all of college football next year as bookends on that defensive line with Ashton Gelati who was the ACC runner-up for player defensive player of the year and Tyler Barron who had a monster season in the SEC for Tennessee you've got uh, I mean Thor Griffith coming in you bring back Ramon per year you bring back uh, Mason Riger who had a fantastic season uh, you know, we'll see what happens with Jermaine Lole. I think there's you know, maybe some positive news on that front. We, we we jinxed it last week when we were like, kept teasing the Quincy Riley thing. We knew we weren't going to get positive news when we were on the air for that one. That was our fault. Well, I I think I can say this. I mean, it's 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 on the roster, so feels good. I was well, I got confirmation that he's he's coming back. I All was, right, there we go. I, would, I wasn't told the reason. I mean, I mean, the only reason he can come back is to get a an injury waiver. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wasn't told explicitly that that was the reason, but like the person that's inside the uh, the um, the program that I was, was talking to about that's like yeah he's coming back so yeah I don't that's know good if, news if only, like where's the breaking news alarm like is there a bell sound it but yeah no Lola is coming back so that's big yeah it's huge especially when you look at the, the line as a whole even if he didn't come back it's going to be huge because and plus we think about Ashton Thor Tyler Dez Ramon Mason Jordan Garad was Jordan, a big yeah, I was, addition I was yeah. about ready to say Jordan Jordan Garad He's got starter potential in him too. So like, the the two deep across the board for the D line is amazing. And honestly, right now when you look at the defense and look at the two deep, I don't know if you have a a true weakness because I mean, the linebacking core it brings back almost everyone, and they weren't a weak spot like I thought they were going to be on the defense. They actually looked pretty good. And then in the secondary, whether that's at corner, safety, nickel, star, I mean. They're loaded. They're they're too they're too deep is really nice. I mean, Quincy's coming back. Corey Thornton is a long rangy corner who looked really good last year for UCF. Uh, MJ Griffin, if he's fully healthy, I mean he's he entering this past season. I mean he was one of uh, Louisville's like top top NFL prospects. If he's fully healthy, then he'll be a huge asset. Then you have guys like you know, Devin Neal's also coming back. Then you have mm-hmm. guys like Wesley Walker coming in. Um, Tamarion McDonald, Tavion Nicholson, who's the, Blake the kid from Oklahoma, McCullough. McCullough, Dave yeah. McCullough. I mean, there, there's options aplenty, not only on the back end, but on the boundary and the slot, nickel. They've got options. I mean, it's it's not hyperbole to start hypothesizing that Louisville could have a top 10 defense next year, which is insane. The cool thing, too, about adding this level of depth 
is, you know, Louisville was statistically a, a top 15 defense for the bulk of last season, and it kind of that slipped away late in the season. They, they had the good performance against Florida State with the backup with the, the third string quarterback, but the defense was we can just say it, it was it was bad against Kentucky, it was bad against USC, it was not great against Miami or Virginia. And I think when the defense started slipping a little bit, it was primarily because they stopped getting consistent pressure on opposing quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And you can you, know, you can't do it like scientifically, but I think you can realistically chalk that up to a little bit of late season fatigue, right? Like yeah. guys who had been just destroying their men up front were now getting blocked effectively. And Louisville, it was doing such a good job at getting home without having to do some extravagant blitzes and bringing a ton of guys in the first half of the year. Suddenly, they're having to do more corner blitzes, and they're having to leave guys like Storm Duck out there on an island, and they're having to you know, have safeties in one-on-one coverage, and they're getting linebackers in bad one-on-one matchups. And like they got burned a lot because of that. They started giving up some huge plays. Hopefully, with this bolstering of the depth on the defensive line, that no longer becomes a concern. Hopefully you can get Ashton Gelati a little bit more of a break in the first half of the season. Tyler Barron, the same thing. Some of these other guys. I mean, we saw Jermaine Lolay really step up at the end of the season. He was making some big plays when he was hardly playing at the beginning of the year. You have to assume that that's just getting the conditioning down, getting back to 100% healthy. If he does come back next year and you get a full year of that guy playing the way that he did towards the tail end of the season, like that's enormous. Yeah, the defensive line. we were finally able to see like what he can do when he's fully healthy because he's been he's just been so snake bitten with injuries for the last two three seasons. Like he he can be a significant contributor. I mean, we we forget that like heading into his final year at uh, Arizona State. I mean, he was viewed as one of the top two or three interior defensive tackles in all of college football and had very real NFL buzz and potential. But like his his high, his collegiate career has been kind of derailed by injuries. But when he's finally able to be healthy and be maybe not 100%, but like healthy enough to go full go for a majority of the season, I mean, he's a factor in the defense. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Let me ask you this, because pe- people will ask me every now and then, and I don't have like a definitive answer for them. Mm-hmm. How is Louisville doing this with NIL? Like, I think that there's a, you know, it's, it's crazy to me that you have this just strange juxtaposition of Louisville in football is going out there and getting kind of whoever the hell they want. Like, like, like we are, like we said, we you, Thor Griffith is targeted by everybody. We go and we get him. We're flipping kids from from old. We flip three kids from Ole Miss. <laughs> Ole Miss, which is not a cash strap program from the SEC. We've got um, Lane yeah. Kiffin is no longer the portal king. No, no <laughs> longer the, the portal, portal prince king. Now. <laughs> you know, we, we're getting kids from Tennessee. We're getting kids from Alabama. We're getting the highest rated receiver in the portal for a second straight year in, in Colin Lacey. Now following up with Jamari Thrash, and then on the basketball side of things. You know, we're, we're, we're not getting anybody. Like, like we're, we're just not. And I think a lot of people are like, how is this happening? Is it just as simple as, like, the donations are coming in for football or there are a couple of high-profile donors? Like, I know the 502 Collective is doing their thing, but it just seems like, you know, Louisville is not the school that you would expect to be having this level, this, this size of a splash in the transfer portal, and yet here we are. I feel like it's a combination of these programs – willingness to embrace NIL and use it as a factor in recruiting and the collective itself kind of being smart with the money they have on hand. Now, could I don't know like what exactly their finances are, but they're not cash poor. And it's, it's, is it a significant business ex, um, investment to like dump gobs of money into like a Walter Nolan? Probably not. But can you kind of sprinkle some money in to get some, some high four-star four transfers and then use some the extra money to get quality additions at positions of need? Absolutely. So I and then especially when you look over at the basketball side of things and then the 
program and the head man involved there haven't really shown an embrace to NIL, I feel like there's a more willingness. Let me let me rephrase this. I feel like there's a better avenue to invest in NIL on the football front. I think the other thing that you can say is it sure seems like we're not spending NIL on traditional high school recruits the way that some other programs are. Like you've got stories out there about bidding wars for the, the biggest five star 18 year olds, uh, the, the biggest four star 17 year olds, and all this stuff. And, you know, Brahm only signs 14 kids in the 2024 class this year. It, it seems like they're kind of, uh, it seems like they're kind of just saying we're going to take the pool of money that we have and we're going to utilize it on guys that we can bring in to be immediate starters right now. Yeah. And maybe that changes moving forward, but other programs are still more committed to doing things the the quote-unquote traditional way and <clears throat> using NIL to get some top-tier recruits. And maybe that's part of the equation as well. So whatever it's whatever it is, it's working. I'm happy with it. Here's hoping it continues. <clears throat> Sorry, uh, but Louisville right now they do so currently sit at number one in on threes transfer portal rankings. Uh, that will probably change. You'll have more guys become available. Other programs will, will load up with some of these bigger pro, uh, players that are in the portal. We'll have more guys that also enter the portal in the spring. So those rankings will yep. get shipped. But you, you, you expect Louisville to still be a top five, yeah. however it shakes out. And, th- and there's going to be more people enter the portal in the spring because there are a few scholarships over right now. Yeah. So and you don't have to be like right at 85 until the next fall semester starts, so that. They can be over right now, but it's going to be interesting to see who, after spring ball ends, who does leave, because there has to be some guys that leave. It's so weird to me, though, just to sit back and be like, Jeff Brom is having the types of off-seasons that we expected Kenny Payne to have. The the big question mark with Kenny Payne was, and I don't know, hey, everything has to go back to Kenny Payne. Well, it does right now. Like that, that's that's the way that it works. We we're, we're you know, it's ba- it's January nineteenth for God's sake. We've I've spent thirty nine years of my life focusing on college basketball at this point in time it's hard for me to to deviate from that but i i like right when football ends hell before football ends like in, in the time between the last regular season game and the bowl game against usc you know louisville's just cleaning up in the in, in the transfer portal and it's given fans something to get to get excited about during the off season i think the fan base is already ready for next september I'm or ready. for august 31st i mean hell yeah like are you kidding me you know, Louisville's going to be in a lot of early season top 25s. They're going to have a lot of uh, of love to be a contender in the ACC again. And I think that we thought that this was going to be the case early on in the Kenny Payne era. Like, the, you know, the first year, the results may not be great. The second year, it may still not be up to our standards. But my goodness, the recruiting, like following all that stuff is going to be so exciting. And the players he can get in the portal with all these connections that he has. Like, it's just going to be constant offseason news that was going to build enthusiasm for the upcoming season. And we haven't come close to that. We, we, I guess we did with the first recruiting class. And even then, it was just kind of like, okay, like you know, this is good. It's not quite what we were expecting, but this is a, a solid first haul. Yeah. And now it's just it's so silent. And there's just no – it's part of the reason why there's no pivot away from the fact that the on-court results are so bad because there's nothing to look and point to and say, hey, this is, this is why it's going to get better. And it, it's just so – it was weird because it was already set up that way when – you had the end of the Mac era and the end of the Satterfield era. Because Satterfield all of a sudden was just recruiting kids that we've never been in on before. We're getting right. Ruben Owens to commit. We're getting DeAndre Moore to, to you know, five stars and four stars from California and Texas. Like, wh- how is this happening? And basketball, it's like, you know, we're getting three star kids that have offers from Loyola, Chicago, and, and Miami of Ohio. 
And it's still kind of that way. Yeah. Two years, two years into this thing, and it's just, it's still hard for me to wrap my mind around the fact that we're here. Obviously, the on-court results are one thing, but the fact that we just haven't had any sort of off-the-court excitement is is another. That's where we are. Um, and on, on the uh, basketball front, uh, Wake Forest has announced that both Damari Monsanto and Jao Ituka have been cleared to play and will dress tomorrow against Louisville. So, you know, fun times. Okay. So, yeah. So it's going to be Forbes? All right. Mm-hmm. Saving up for – how scared are you right now of, Wake Forest, uh, of Louisville? Are you Wake Forest? Who would you say is, is, is eligible tomorrow? Uh, Damari Monsato and Jao Ituka? I, I am probably butchering the hell out of their name, but, you know. I'll be honest with you. I don't know who either one of those players are. I know I've I've recognized Monsanto's name, but have they played at all this year? I don't this, think they have. this year. I don't think so. I I know Monsanto has in the past. I don't know how much of a contributor he is. Demari Monsanto a year ago was was good. Thirteen point three points per game has not played at all this year. He what did he do against Louisville last year? I'm sure it was good. Um, oh God, yeah, this is why we know his name. 21 points against Louisville last year. Oh, the, so that's why his name is familiar. <laughs> in the 80-72 victory. He, was, he took 12 three-pointers against Louisville, and he hit five. Uh, you know what that means. If we, He's going to have 12 open three-pointers again tomorrow afternoon. If he wants to take them in his first game back, I'm sure he'll get his fill. Jesus. So we'll see that. But, yeah, he was, he was good for them last year. He's, I, don't, I don't know what the injury has been, but he has not played, it looks like, at all this season. But Well, he's cleared now. Glad to have him back for tomorrow's game. I'm sure Wake needs the help. I've not seen a point spread on tomorrow's game, but Ken Palm has it at like 16. I'm gonna guess it's. I'm gonna guess it goes down a little bit from that. The last couple of games we've seen that spread go in favor of Louisville by a couple of points. I'm gonna guess Louisville's like a 13 and a half point underdog by the time we get around to the game yeah. tomorrow, which feels about right. I mean, do you? You know, people are like just stay on football, just stay on football. But shifting <laughs> back to basketball quickly, do, do you? Because you can, you can look at what's happening. Overall, the big picture with Louisville men's basketball and be upset with the direction and, and feel like there's no way that we could have a year three, but also recognize that the team is showing signs of life that weren't there a month ago. They're improving in certain areas. They're playing harder and all that stuff. I mean, what do you make of these last three performances? Because it, yeah. it, it, it's, it's not great, but it has been better. Yeah, I mean, the, the two notions aren't mutually exclusive. You can still look at the actual on-court product, and when you compare that to the rest of the first month, month and a half of the season and say okay yeah this is a this is a clear step forward the effort is there the execution is great is getting better on the offense it's still mm-hmm. a complete bleep show on defense but at least on offense they're getting better and they're they're getting they're more competitive i mean if you'd have told me that Louisville would have been competitive for 3 fourths of the game against UNC I don't know if I'd have believed you, and yet they were. I mean, they made it a five-point game with, what, 10 minutes to go or something like that? Yeah. I mean, they had a very real chance if all of the if everything broke their way that they could have gone down to the wire with UNC. Now, granted, that's not ultimately what we saw, but, I mean, it was if this was last year's team, this would have been that a, a blowout. That really bad start that they got off to, they would have let that snowball and snowball and snowball until you have a full-blown avalanche. For sure. To this team's credit, they seem to take more adversity and deal with it better. That being said, in the same breath, you can say that even while this team is getting better, it looks better, the numbers are better, 
you can tell that they're fighting, you can tell the execution is taking a step forward, you can still say that for the University of Louisville men's basketball program, that what we are getting, even in this improved stretch, is not what they expect. You the like I said, the two statements are not mutually exclusive. No. Yes, they're getting better, but this while they are getting better, this is not what we expect from Louisville basketball. We expect a team that will that can be competitive with a top ten team, even on their home floor, and go into there and think with okay, it's gonna be a fight and we have a chance to come out of there with a win. With this team, you just kinda hope they cover. So this isn't Louisville. Two years ago today, we were getting ready for the the infamous Saturday game against Notre Dame where we retired the Russ Smith, Smith jersey yeah. and the, the the crowd openly booed Chris Mack as he walked off the floor. You had the Malik Williams postgame comment about, like, you know, no comment when, when asked if, if the coach is still getting mm-hmm. uh, through, which ironically was asked by Rick Bozich. Um, <laughs> so you had that. Like, like, you know, that was basically the end. And the mm-hmm. fan base at that point in time two years ago, two years ago today, the fan base was basically like, I, I, we're ready for something else besides Chris Mack. We're ready for a parting of ways. He's not getting it done. We need somebody who can do better. If you had told the fan base, us included, two years ago on this day, that we would be talking about a 16-point road loss to North Carolina in the terms that we've been talking about it, I think we all would have been horrified. I, I mean, like And you yet said, there are people out there who are like, well, I mean, they look better. They yeah. do look better. That's, it's, yeah, that's it's true. It's like like, like, like all the things that we're saying are true. They're fighting more. They would have lost that game by 30 a year ago. They're they're doing things on offense that make them look like something resembling a, a competent power conference basketball team. And they're still losing games to good teams by 16 points. And we're like, you know, it's bad, but it's a lot better than it's been. Imagine having these conversations and playing them for us all 24 months ago we would have been horrified. We would have been like, are you kidding? Let's just keep Mac at this point then. Jesus yeah. Christ. Like it, it is the things that we have have now become have, have been normalized to over the past three years are still astounding. And every now and then I have to take a step back and be like, What how like, did, what how happened did, here? How did we get here? What is happening? What are we doing? Because you're right. I mean on one hand I wanna be like the team is playing better, the team is doing things that are showing signs of life they've turned a corner they're taking steps forward because all of that is true it's still awful it's mm-hmm. still relative to every not, not just louisville's all-time standards but relative to bad louisville teams in our lifetime it's still awful which the the whole going back to the kenny Payne being like this is actually my first year let's just okay it is your first year it's the worst year that any of us have ever seen it's not like year two under the kenny Payne era year one <laughs> year two has been this resounding success and i point and laugh at everybody who was mad about four and 20 i told you so once i get my guys in you're going to start to reap the benefits they're better they're better than the worst like power conference season we've ever seen from a team in the last 35 years and they're still not good they're they're, they're terrible we are 192 on ken palm we are uh, 228 in the net rankings Oof. that is Atrocious! That like it's the if you take away last year and this this is year one, it's still the worst season any of us have ever seen, yeah. and it's trending that way. They may win; I think they're going to win five or six games probably yeah. next month. And he, and he said about like yeah, I inherited something that was broken. If you inherited something that you say is so broken, then what the hell is it now? Yeah, 
It's a mad. I don't know what we're doing here. Obliterated? <laughs> Decimated? We got Emaciated? The, we've got the 4 o'clock hour coming up next. We'll hear from you guys on the Thornton's text line. Hit us up with your thoughts at 502-414-1450. It's the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 The Big Ass. The Big X Sports Radio, WXVW, Jeffersonville. Hi, this is New Albany Mayor Jeff Gahan. I'd like to take this opportunity to wish New Albany and the Bulldogs the best of luck this season. It's going to be a special season. Thanks for making New Albany proud. We have a lot to be proud of here in New Albany, most importantly our schools. The citizens of New Albany and Floyd County are investing $87 million to make our public schools even better than before. Our students will be safer, and they'll even have a greater opportunity to reach their potential. Come see for yourself why the city of New Albany is where you should be. John Spears for M&M Cartage. You see those trucks riding down the road with the M&M Cartage sign. You could be a driver or work as a mechanic on one of those trucks. For 45 years, M&M Cartage has been a locally family-owned transportation company, and they're currently hiring those drivers and mechanics. To join their team, go online to mmcartage.com to apply. Headquartered in Louisville with locations in Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Morristown, Tennessee, and Detroit. That's mmcartage.com to apply. Until about 10 years ago, for any electrical work I needed at my house, I was always calling a different electrician, sometimes for the same job. Things weren't done right and they weren't done on time, but for the last 10 years, Allen Electrical has been the only one I call. The work is unparalleled, it's prompts, the team's the epitome of professionalism. (laughs) You know, when I see an Allen Electrical truck in a neighbor's driveway, I kind of smile because I know they're getting the best. Allen Electrical, your electrician for life. Visit allenelectrical.com. They'll never leave you in the dark. Get your Saturday morning wake-up call on Big X Sports Radio. Wake up 502 with Rashawn Myers every Saturday morning from 9 until 11 a.m. Only on WXBW 96.1 and 1450 a.m. The Big X. Joined by the architect himself, Haven Harrington. They bring you all the sports commentary and opinions on both local and national sports you need to get your weekend started. Wake up 502. It's more than just talk. If you own a business, you know how important it is to have a strong relationship with your bank. Republic Bank has proudly served businesses across our communities for more than 40 years, and we've had their backs the whole time. We offer a variety of business deposit accounts and loan options, along with a team of experienced bankers who will take the time to understand your unique needs and financial goals. Choose the bank that has your back. Republic Bank, the easy bank for business. Visit republicbank.com. Member FDIC. When design is key to your landscape project, give Walnut Ridge Landscape and Design a call at 812-288-6691. Walnut Ridge has more experience than any landscape company in the area. Remember, Walnut Ridge Landscape and Design. When design is key to your project and you want the most experienced landscaping company in the area, give Walnut Ridge a call at 812-288-6691. Walnut Ridge Landscape and Design. When design is key. One of your favorite childhood memories is probably those visits to your local bakery. 
and all those wonderful aromas fresh out of the oven. Chances are that bakery was Williams Bakery, 1051 North Clark Boulevard, Clarksville. Open seven days a week, Williams Bakery is Clark County's only remaining full-service bakery. Stop by so they can serve you. Or phone Ernie Polston and his dedicated staff at 284-2867. That's 284-2867. Kratz Sporting Goods is Southern Indiana's team sports specialist and is your local Adidas team product dealer. Kratz specializes in outfitting your team, organization, club, or business in apparel, hard goods, and accessories from Adidas and many others. Kratz offers fundraising opportunities for your team, organization, or club through online web stores. Let our friendly staff get you started today by calling 812-282-5400 or visit and shop at our website at kratzsports.com. Yo, VIP! Four o'clock hour here of the Mike Rutherford Show, 1450 one of the Big Eggs. Nothing like Vanilla Ice welcome you into an icy weekend. Pun very much intended. It is pretty icy out there. I mean, actually, it was more so slushy today than it was icy. It wasn't too bad. It wasn't. It was pretty easy getting in here. I know. I was surprised at the the amount of snow when I woke up this morning. It was like the white blanket was out there. I thought we'd see at least a little bit of, of grass poking through, but no, all white out there. It was uh, it was. Yeah. My dog loved playing in the snow. That was pretty cute, though. It is pretty snow. It's, it's, it's a pretty snow. We'll take it. Four o'clock hour here. We got Matt McGavick of Louisville Report in studio for today's show. We'll get to the Thornton's text line here at 502-414-1450 in just a second. Before we do that, let's play a little game. Ready for this? Let's do it. So, I mean, we've been talking about the actual men's basketball team a little bit, the game against North Carolina, the post-game comments for, by Kenny Payne. All anybody wants to hear anymore, you know, the – well, people, I think people do like piling on pain at this point. Yeah. But they, they also want to hear about coaching candidates. Every, Steve Forbes? <laughs> Steve Forbes? <laughs> college basketball media, they love doing this thing at the midpoint in the year, and we're, we're, we're basically at the midpoint of the college basketball season where they will say, like, here are eight teams that can win the national title. The, the national champion is going to come out of this group of eight teams. Yeah. So we are doing this without real inside info. But if I asked you to give me eight coaches and – you had to guarantee that the, the whoever Louisville's next head coach comes from this group of eight guys. Who are you throwing out there? Or if it, we won't, I won't say like you have to do this. You get a billion dollars if you correctly name Louisville's head coach in your group of eight. Who do you throw out there? I think some of the more obvious ones are Jerome Tang, Dusty May. I think Scott Drew could be an option. I don't like this one, but Mick Cronin's probably an option. Mm-hmm. I don't like this one also, but Chris Beard, mm-hmm. I mean, he's winning. Honestly, ever since you mentioned Will Wade, I can't rule him out just because McNeese is rolling. Uh, who else? Oh, God. Now I'm just, now I'm just like brain farting. I, I, I've had like a hot board going on for so long that, that I've had it like burned into my brain but now that I'm on the spot I'm like oh no I feel like those I think you've named five they're on my list I'm going Tang I've got May I've got Cronin I've got Beard I've got Wade I've got those five uh, I would put on Eric Musselman 
Musselman and Oates, yeah. He'd be on the list. I'd have Bruce Pearl on the list. Again, these are not personal preference. These are If I'm trying to c- compile a list that will include whoever the next hire is, I've got Pearl, I've got Musselman. That leaves me spot one, for like one more. I kind of want to just like throw a wild card out there, like throw, throw a, a long shot. I, I don't have Scott Drew on the list, and I feel like maybe he should be the eighth, but I don't know how realistic he really here's, is. Here's one. I, I, I don't know if you've mentioned this before on the show, and I haven't really checked in with this team recently, but Porter Moser? Porter Moser. Uh, I, I can see that. I don't know if there's any connection there between – like he's not one of the guys that you hear. His agent's putting out feelers out there for to reach out to Josh Hurd, but, I mean, he'd be a candidate if they keep having this type of year. I think my list would be pretty basic. It's kind of the names that we've heard because I just haven't heard anything to the contrary. I'm going Tang, Musselman, May, Cronin, Beard, Wade, Pearl, and then I guess I'll throw Scott Drew on there. I don't think that Scott Drew's going to take the job, but I think that there's a possibility. So I'll throw Gotta him on him there. Say no. Got to make him say no. That's the the name of the game. So that would be my group of eight. I know once upon a time I had kind of Shaka Smart on mine but like i just don't see him leaving marquette i really don't because if it were later in the tenure i think maybe yeah i mean he's from wisconsin he's already made the jump to a a quote-unquote blue blood well texas ain't blue blood you know what i mean somewhat blue blood he's already made that jump once and that didn't go too hot for him Uh i i I just don't see him leaving marquette i don't it's the same people now are starting to bring up shaheen holloway and i'm like hell yeah i'd love shaheen are you kidding me he's not leaving his alma mater after one year he's not not like He's doing well at Seton Hall. I think he's building something. I, I do think eventually if he has the level of success that a lot of people think he's going to, he will bolt for a bigger job. But we're talking like him bolting for, you know, like like Duke, Kansas, something like that, North Carolina, maybe like another ACC program. And we're talking like, I think, five, ten years down the line. Yeah, Oklahoma's 14-3. and three. I mean, they've lost two they're of their last three. They're having a good year. They've lost two of, the last th- two of their last three. My God. They've been Thumped by Kansas, UNC. They lost to TCU. I mean, they're all top twenty-five teams according to Ken Palm. But yeah, I mean, Oklahoma's looking pretty good. I like Porter Moser. I think he's a a good coach. I'm not sure again, like how available he is. I just haven't heard any buzz. But no. if he did become a viable candidate, I would not hate it. I would be no, in favor. Not at all. Thornton Sexton reminder: Thornton's hooking up with the best deals all 2024 long. Uh, if you want to take advantage, all you have to do is become a refreshing rewards program member. Download that app on your phone. Save some money at the pump when you have to fill up. Save some money inside when you need a warm coffee to warm you up on a cold morning or anything else from one of this area's 65,222 Thornton's locations. Do that and then text us at 502-414-1450. All right, here we go. Texture says, I thought tomorrow was a home game, but it's not. <laughs> so wake by 13. I hope I'm wrong. I felt that we could win one at home after these last few performances, and I've been really low on the team for a while. I like the effort that I've seen. Those are the only positives that I can give right now. I'm not going to lie. Up until midday yesterday, I thought it was a home game too. I So I, I find myself on these Friday shows, and this is how bad it's gotten, because no other point in my life have I been in, in this position. But I do kind of find myself on these Friday, Friday shows forgetting that we have a game on Saturday. Like mm-hmm. I think it was, the, I think it was the, the Friday show before the pit game. Like We didn't even do a prediction at the end of the show. It was like we were talking about the like what was going on in the transfer portal and you know some of the other big games that weekend, NFL stuff, and then it was like, oh, yeah, we play. And I do kind of find myself – I used to know the schedule by heart. And, I mean, I, I know the next three games we have, but it does take a, like a little bit of a double take once you get to 24 hours before. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's, it's Wake. So it is on the road. We will play in Winston-Salem, taking on a Wake Forest team that, you know, like I think six or seven teams in the ACC right now, probably looking like they're firmly on the bubble and maybe right now just on the wrong side of the bubble slightly. I saw the Athletics bracket watch. They only have three teams from the ACC in the tournament as of right now. 
which is crazy. Duke, UNC, and North Carolina, and um, NC State. Duke, UNC, and Clemson. Clemson are oh. the only three. They got Clemson as, in as a seven seed. They've got Miami as one of the first teams out. I think Lenardi also today had had, had Miami as one of like those next four teams out. But Lenardi had four teams in his they bracket. Clemson still in, even though they've lost four of the last five. Yeah, they've huh. been Clemson. See, Clemson had the non-conference thing going for them. Like their resume is that's true. Yeah, the, the computer rankings still really like Clemson. Like every single metric out there has them as the third best team in the ACC. And then, I didn't realize their non-con SOS was eighth. Beat Alabama. Um, beat TCU is now having a really really good year under Jamie Dixon. Their only loss was a understandable loss to Memphis. Um, they were they had a good non conference run and now they're doing the thing where it's like, hey, Brad Brownell, he's addicted to the bubble. He can't he can't can't shake it. Doesn't want to fight it. Loves the bubble. Can't get away from it. I mean, the, the ACC is cannibalizing itself. This is the only reason why I have confidence that we may be way for us tomorrow. Is everything that has to happen for all these teams that are looking like they're going to be safely in the in the tournament to play themselves out keeps happening. Like Miami, not only do they lose to us, but they turn around, and they lose at home to Florida State. That's a terrible. Like FSU is is what five and one, four and one in the ACC right now. Uh, five and one. Yep. Five and one, and their non conference performance was so bad. That there's probably no way they're going to sniff the NCAA tournament. But they're like they're on pace to finish as, as like a top five team in this conference. Like it is. We are hell bent on getting only three or four teams into the NCAA tournament this year, and you know maybe that means we're going to knock off some more teams. I don't know. Texas, I got a three-part question. Okay, Ooh. Uh, give me some big X, big X, big bets for this weekend. B ball, NFL, anything we can do that in the third. We can do that later. Yeah. Second part, I'm so excited for the NFL this weekend. I cannot wait. Hoping Same. for some close games this round. I am too. And then three. Okay, this is actually a question. <laughs> I can't read it. <laughs> can't read it. Uh, oh, God, this is a long text coming in. 502-414-1450. I can't stand this anymore. I'm tired of the excuses. The players are at least trying. The fan base miserable and brokenhearted as we are still want to support the team. Then this coach who everyone trips over themselves saying is a great man just can't help but continually make everything worse over and over and over again. Great men don't blame kids. They don't badmouth families. They don't try and put shortcomings on the fan base or take a whole year off from a job that they were just hired to and then tell everyone that it was a freaking mulligan. I'm tired of having a dude stand there representing the team that I love and not understand what it means to wear these colors. The city has grade school basketball coaches that seemingly uh, know more than this man about the game. Kenny is a bad coach. He's a bad role model for these young men. And since no one else will say it, he is a bad person if he is fine (laughs) with all of this. Every day that I continue following this mess is one day closer to cl- clicking purchase on that do-it-yourself lobotomy kit. Go cards, go away, Kenny. Besides that, though, I mean, how do you feel? It, it is kind of interesting. <laughs> that texture actually kind of raised a good point. It is kind of interesting whenever, whether it be like us in the media sphere or just fans talking about him, they, it's any comment about Kenny Payne and his shortcomings as a head coach is almost always prefaced with he's a good guy he's a good guy but is he it's yeah i mean there's i mean do we really know pain on a personal level like that to where we can say that he is a good guy I mean, i'm not saying he's a bad guy but i, I mean it, I, I i just I can't help Kenny but find Payne. it in, i can't help but find it interesting that we we all collectively preface our opinion with Sure. On Kenny Payne with saying that he's a good guy. But, I mean, and I've been in multiple press conferences with him. He seems like a genuinely good guy. Is he actually a good guy? I can't tell you that was certainly because I don't know the man on a personal level like that. Same. I've had absolutely zero dealings with Kenny Payne. 
you know, from before he was a head coach at Louisville and, and even after he's been a head coach at Louisville. I can't say it. What I can say is I do know people at UofL who, who work with him and who have done stuff with him, and they all speak glowingly of his personality and how easy he is, is to, he is to work with. I've, you know, People who've written stories about numerous head coaches um, for like the Louisville Magazine and UofL Magazine, all the stuff, who've been like, he was easily the best person I've ever had a chance to talk to. But from an outsider's perspective, when you keep looking at this stuff, it, it, like I get why we get a text like this almost every week or almost every day saying like, is he really a good person? Because you know, good people don't don't blame kids. It, it, there's a lot of deflection of blame. There's a lot of a lack of accountability, and I don't know of how much of that is just him not really knowing how to handle post game stuff and just kind of just just talking. Like we said yesterday, like it happens. You would to me. think you would get used to it. At you some would point. think so, and you you would think that after years and years of seeing John Calipari handle the press and other coaches handle the press, that you would have some sort of you know, boilerplate language that you could just turn to. And, you know, like Crawford wrote in his story yesterday, like, just lie to us a little bit. Like, just do what so many coaches across the country do. Go out there, be like, you know, I think we're playing hard. It's not good enough. I understand the fan base's frustrations. Like, I- I'm going to do better. The the buck stops with me. It all falls on me. I'm, I'm the head coach here. Like, just give us that. It just seems like Kenny, during his time as the lead assistant for Calipari, he took away, when it comes to press conferences, he took away, like, his mannerisms but he didn't take away Calipari's overall like feel for the room and know how to yeah. utilize the media to like get what you want out. Because Cal is really good about whenever he's asked a question, he might he'll only respond with what he wants to say, whether it had something to do with the question or not. Patino was the same way. Kenny Payne just says what's on his mind, and while I commend him for the honesty, I really do. I mean. You've kind of got to draw the line somewhere. You don't have to say every single thing that's on your mind because sometimes when you say things like that out loud, it doesn't sound as good, especially with the Tyler Johnson tight situation. Because if we had known the additional context of that, hey, Tyler is dealing with a groin injury and the shorts that Kenny Payne is referring to were compression shorts that help him deal with said groin injury and the way that it was purveyed by Kenny Payne to the media and everyone and any fan who was listening – Made it think like made it seem like he was just bagging on Johnson. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's in his defense, he never had to see John Calipari deal with media in in times like this. Like, That's true, <laughs> yeah. You were never talking about uh, a six and eleven Kentucky team. The only time Kentucky's been that bad, Kenny Payne was not there anymore. Um, I, I, I don't know why he feels the need to just continue to fall. Like, like you said say whatever's on his mind. I, I feel like you could just... He, he he can't do this as well as some of the other, other coaches. To, to go back to your point about you know, Cal and, and, and Rick Pitino, when Pitino used to call into our old radio show, like I, you knew going into it, you could ask him whatever you wanted to. He was going to... His first response was going to be him saying whatever he wanted to get into. Yeah. Like, you'd, you'd ask, you know, hey, like... You know, defensive effort seemed to take a gigantic step forward last week against Pitt. You know, what would you see differently? And he would talk about it for one quick throwaway sentence, and then he'd be like, "But we have to talk about like you know what what UConn's doing right now in the in conference realignment. We got to get." <laughs> and then he would just rant for for twenty five minutes about what he wanted to say. And you know, co- coaches like that who can hold court, they'll do it. And Kenny Payne clearly cannot, and it just he, he winds up getting himself into more trouble than he's already in every single time he goes down this road, and I don't know why he he, he wouldn't do it. Texture says, hey, Mike, do you know where I can get full access to the Becker CPA exam review? I do. Business.louisville.edu. Start, start <laughs> your journey today. Make it happen. 
Texture says, um, oh, Matt with SI announcing layoffs. Are you going to financially support Pat Forty and his family until he gets back on his feet? I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> I'm assuming Pat will be fine. I actually texted him. He's fine. <clears throat> I, I saw my guy Kevin Swink. His cough. <clears throat> Excuse me. Kevin Sweeney, who covered Sports Illustrated and did a lot of good things. Unfortunately, he was one of the, the cuts today, and I felt terrible for him. But yeah. whenever you see big-time networks having cuts like this, you know college basketball people are always in jeopardy. Like, it was always because yeah. it's just it's college basketball. It's, mm-hmm. it's fifth or sixth on the totem pole, if that. Texas says, the CC pod had me rolling today with the Lamar conversation. Can we get a, a – I can't say that. Uh, <laughs> I know, all of these. The Lamar thing is, yeah, Danny, who I did the podcast with, has he made a couple of comments a few years ago about how he didn't think Lamar was going to have success in the playoffs because he didn't throw it well enough, and we have thrown it in his face like constantly, like every like we we, we call him racist, we do this all the time, like because <laughs> he 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 thought he thinks Justin Herbert's going to be very good, and Justin Herbert's stats suck compared to Lamar Jackson's, and so every time Herbert has a bad game, we just and it has gotten to a point where like because Danny loves Lamar, but every time he plays well, it's it's like we're gonna throw it in his face, and he's gonna have he's to no do, Justin Herbert though exactly. I mean, <laughs> every single game now, we're like can you believe this guy? Like just imagine what Herbert would be doing on this team, and you know, Danny just yeah, it's bad. Uh, Texas says, did you notice that Isaiah Cummings is listed at wide receiver and not tight end? I actually did not realize that. I didn't, but that's hilarious considering if you go all in the way back machine to six years ago when he was being recruited by both Louisville and Kentucky, the big talking point surrounding his name was that he wanted to play wide receiver and Louisville wanted to move him to tight end. And ultimately, that was why he picked Kentucky because Kentucky told him he'd get a first shot at wide receiver. And, of course, he played tight end his entire time at, at Kentucky. And now he's, according to the texter, moving back to wide receiver at Louisville. So there's that. It's just, uh, you know, wherever you go, there you are. Things go full circle. Texter says, uh, my favorite cover is the uh, Sports Illustrated 2013 commemorative issue with the, the national champions winning for where. I mean, that the commemorative issue is cool. The, the one that they had. It was like Champions Brothers. Is the picture of Kevin Ware reaching up like that? Yeah, that's one that I've got framed. That was that was very cool. Texas says again, no basketball talk today. Let's only talk about how one of you stands on the other's shoulders like a couple cheerleaders, and then does a dismount into the other's arms, followed by a clap and go team from Scoot Hater. I believe that's assuming that Scoots was going to be here today. He is not here today. <laughs> Sorry, Scoot Hater. You'll have to text about something else. Texas, I'm celebrating my one-year anniversary at my job. I look forward to making this actual first year on the job really good. These jokes aren't going anywhere. Anymore, no, they're so. not. Not one bit. It's our, you know, it's, it's technically our first year here on the show. All the technological difficulties that we've been dealing with, all, all that stuff, it's just, we're working the kinks out now. We're going to be fine. It's year one. We're going to be okay. Texas, do you think the next season's defense ends up being one of the all-time top 10 defenses at UofL? I think it has the potential to be like a top three defense at Louisville. I mean, I think this is going to be one that rivals the, like the top defenses that Charlie Strong had. I mean, the, the talent level is just that deep and not just at one position, but just across the board. I mean, obviously they have to actually play the game and we'll know, we'll have a, like a better feel of them when we see spring ball. But I mean, like at this moment in time, I mean, I think this could be like one of the best defenses that Louisville has ever fielded. Yeah, I mean, you have to remember we talked about we had the conversation after the like the Duke game. I think this year talking about you know where does this defense rank? And, and statistically, it was it was right up there with some of the best. It had a chance if they'd finished the season strong to be remembered as the best defense in U of L history. I think you look at I think twenty thirteen probably from a talent perspective 
was the most talented defense we've ever had. 2012 was damn good, too. Yeah. It's tough to beat those defenses because that's how Charlie Strong built those teams. Um, yeah. It's with, with all those um, NFL draft picks, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that the 20 – I don't want to look too far ahead, but I feel like the 2025 draft is going to be very active with Louisville players. It should. I, I mean, you look at – yeah, so 2013, that would have been the 2014 draft where you had – Struggs was the year before. I think Struggs was the only defensive guy. But you had yeah. Calvin Pryor. Who, let's not forget. I mean, I know he was a little bit of a bust in the NFL, but my God, that dude was an absolute monster. Called the Louisville Slugger for a reason. Yeah, and was a first-round draft pick for a reason. Marcus Smith, another bust. Should not have been a first-round pick, but was a beast at defensive end. Mm-hmm. Preston Brown played in the NFL for you know, 75 years, it felt like. Um, I'm forgetting one. He said Marcus, Calvin, Preston? I, I said Preston. I'm, I'm forgetting somebody else. Oh. I mean, Malden was on that team. He was an NFL guy, NFL guy for a little bit of time. He was on that team. He stayed another year, but he was on the. Are you the talking 20- about draft picks, period, or first rounders? Just draft picks. Oh, okay, gotcha. Like NFL talent on that roster in twenty in in twenty thirteen. Like we had, we had a ton of NFL guys, and they were damn good. I think the one thing that sucks is we're never going to know exactly how good they were because the level of competition. The one good team they played scored what thirty eight points on them mm-hmm. and, and beat them. So. But yeah, I think this defense has a chance to stack up with that one statistically and be just as good. I, you know, we're assuming a lot right now, but I'm I'm assuming these players that we bring in are the real real deal for sure. Oh yeah, I'm assuming so. Texture says uh, I am I'm growing more and more terrified that he's going to get a year three. We get some variation of this text now. I think five times a day as well. I mean, people are like, are you are you scared? Of course I'm scared because I don't know what's going to happen. I've, I've got no idea, and I I do think that getting Getting a third year of Kenny Payne is a bad thing for the program, and I don't know what Josh is thinking. I don't know how this is going to play out. So, yeah, there's a fear. It, it may be a totally unjustified fear, but it's a fear nonetheless. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I personally don't – I'm not saying this based on anything that I know personally, but, like, I just cannot see him coming I can't back either. for year three. I can't see it. I just, I just can't. I'm not going to rule it out completely, but given everything that's happened up to this point, both on and off the court, I, I can't see it happening. I can't either, but – at some point, I have to stop saying that. You know, I don't think things are going to happen. That I mean, I never thought we'd be at this point. If you would have told me at any point in my life that you'd see a Louisville basketball team win four games, I'd have been like, "Well, you know, did they cancel the season after the first six? Like, you know, I just I never would have guessed. I never would have guessed that we'd have this, the types of arguments that we've had over the last couple of, of years. I all of it is so. I mean. We're in uncharted territory every day. It feels like, and so I don't rule out anything anymore. I just don't. Texture says, uh, I want to thank you for fighting the good fight. It makes me sick to my stomach seeing so many fans use playing hard and covering the spread as a 20-point underdog as a justification for this god-awful product. Kenny is not only killing the fan base and this program, but also the city of Louisville itself. (laughs) Here's to hoping these are the last few months of suffering, and massive thanks to the Jeffs, Dan McDonald, and DBK for keeping us sane. Man, the the Kenny Payne. I mean, usually you expect like the hardest text to come after a loss. Like we haven't played in two days, so it's people are coming. They're bringing the pain today. Yeah, pun intended. That's just right. Let's just let you know how bad it's gotten. And also, you know, look, Dan McDonald, love him. Didn't make the ACC tournament last year, so he hadn't really. You know, hopefully he helps us this year. But last year wasn't exactly great. The uh, you know, I get why fans seem to be sort of at a breaking point because I, I you know they've been at a breaking point for a while. I think it kind of annoys a portion of the fan base that's already checked out to see some people 
harping on the positives. And there are positives. You and I, we've said the same thing. You can be very upset with the way things are going. You can think that there's no justification for a third year of Kenny Payne and also recognize the team's playing better. It's playing better than like the worst possible thing we've ever seen, but it's still it's still better. The kids have not given up. The kids seem to be fighting. I do think that the like the bench intensity has increased in, in recent weeks. So like all of that is good stuff, but it's still nowhere it's nowhere near good enough for me to feel right. good about Kenny Payne being the commander of this program moving forward. Yeah, I mean they're they're clearing the bar set by last year's team, but the bar is pretty much on the floor. Yeah, Texas says Dabo didn't bring in a transfer again. I feel like you can't be 100% either way, just like Colorado is 90% on the portal. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, look, Dabo's done. I called it two years ago. He's done. They're going to they're gonna have fine seasons, fine teams. They'll be 9-3, and three, maybe 10-2 and two occasionally, a little 8-4 and four, like this year, squeezed in. But, like, he's his inability to adapt and his – It's going to bite him at some point. It, it, I mean, it, it, it's it already, already started to because Clemson's not like the cream of the crop in the ACC anymore. Anymore, I don't think you can call them a, a legitimate national title contender. They're national not. title contender anymore? They're not. I mean, he's losing the assistance finally. Like the, there hasn't been the the coaching staff continuity. I know he's gone out and hired some big name assistants, but it has not reaped those benefits yet. I was surprised. I saw the ACC Digital Network came out with their early top five in the in the conference for next season, and they had us at five, which I thought we'd be maybe a, a spot or two higher. I saw somebody had us at two yesterday. Yeah, twenty four seven sports had them at two. I did see that, but they had us at five. I was more surprised they had Clemson at one. They went Clemson one, Florida State two, which seems like an overcorrection based on the the way yeah, that I mean, the season Flor- ended. Florida State's lost a lot, but I mean they're bringing in a lot. Mike Harvell's doing pretty good in the portal. They're doing pretty good in high school recruiting. So I mean, like I, I was surprised. I, I know Clemson's bringing back Klubnik and, and some of those other guys, but like, yeah, cool, you're bringing back the core of a team that went eight and four and finished what sixth in the ACC last year. Not exactly. And I also feel like FSU has been higher than Clemson in all of these way too early top 25 polls. But what do I know? Let's take a break. When we come back, more from you guys on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Happy Friday to you from all of us here at 1450 and 96.1, the Big X. Days at 11 a.m. for the Hoosier Report. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers, interviews with prominent figures in Kentuckiana sports, and discussion of other sports topics important to Southern Indiana. That's the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Weekdays at 11 a.m. on the home for the Hoosiers, 1450 WXVW. Charge fans, earn your Master's in Business Analytics from the University of Louisville in just 13 months. Our expert faculty are experienced in the industry and the classroom, combining high-quality coursework with hands-on practical experience. With paid internship opportunities, professional networking, and real-world high-impact learning, you'll gain the knowledge and skills needed to advance your career. To get started or learn more, visit business.louisville.edu backslash MBA today. Until about 10 years ago, for any electrical work I needed at my house, I was always calling a different electrician, sometimes for the same job. Things weren't done right and they weren't done on time, but for the last 10 years, Allen Electrical has been the only one I call. 
The work is unparalleled. It's prompts. The team's the epitome of professionalism. <laughs> you know, when I see an Allen electrical truck in a neighbor's driveway, I kind of smile because I know they're getting the best. Allen Electrical, your electrician for life. Visit allenelectrical.com. They'll never leave you in the dark. <laughs> Roosters, a fun, casual joint. Join us at Roosters every Monday, all day, for the boneless wing special. Only 79 cents each. Roosters has salads, wings, sandwiches, pizzas, and all of your favorite adult beverages. Roosters has a great family atmosphere. Fun for the whole family. Roosters has TVs everywhere, so you can watch your favorite team. Roosters on Dixie Highway, Preston Highway, Fern Creek, Shelbyville Road, and Springhurst. T.A. Jenkins and T.A. Jenkins Company, LLC. Proud sponsor of high school basketball on the Big X. Call Terry Jenkins at 812-989-7381 for your residential and commercial construction needs. Design, build, or remodel, it's T.A. Jenkins Company, LLC, located in New Albany. Email Terry at tajenkins at tajenkinsco.com. That's G-I-N-K-I-N-S, T.A. Jenkins Company. The plumbers, pipe fitters, welders, and HVAC technicians of Local 502's commitment to excellence can be seen in our community every day. The KFC Yum Center, Ford Motor Company, and the Omni Hotel are just a few examples of their professional craftsmanship. Local 502 has been part of our community for over a century and invests over $1 million annually training skilled local workers. Members of Local 502 are your friends, neighbors, and children's coaches. For more information, go to lu502.com. Local 502, built on excellence, building a better tomorrow. Kratz Sporting Goods is Southern Indiana's team sports specialist and is your local Adidas team product dealer. Kratz specializes in outfitting your team, organization, club, or business in apparel, hard goods, and accessories from Adidas and many others. Kratz offers fundraising opportunities for your team, organization, or club through online web stores. Let our friendly staff get you started today by calling 812-282-5400 or visit and shop at our website at kratzsports.com. TJ Walker here for Shady Rays. Dropping a lot of money on sunglasses always seemed crazy to me. I'd wear them a few times, I'd lose them or break them. That's why I'm so glad I discovered Shady Rays. Polarized shades at a great price that you can try for 30 days risk-free. And even if you lose or break them, they'll send you a replacement pair. Plus, every pair you buy goes to fight hunger in America. Go to ShadyRays.com now and place your order. Use promo code BIGX to receive 25% off. Summer day here. It's a freezing day here in Wolf, Kentucky. It's actually going to be, I think, even colder. The coldest day of the year is supposed to be tomorrow. In fact, the wind chill tomorrow morning is supposed to be as low as negative 15. Oh, God. You know, I was tired of playing cold weather songs. That's why I played Sly and the Family Stone. I don't blame <laughs> you. I love Sly and the Family Stone. It, it, it warmed me up a little bit just for a, a brief moment. But tomorrow, the, the minus 15 wind chill. So the Wave Weather, the Wave 3 weather team has put out this very informative graphic about cold safety. This is the worst graphic I've ever seen. I love Kevin Hart. I love all these guys. But like this is the, the least helpful thing I've ever seen. I right, hear their bullet points for cold safety. One, wear layers of clothing. Not sure if you could have figured that out on your own. Yeah. Two, 
Cover exposed skin. Kind of feel like two goes hand in hand with one. Three, bring pets indoors. If they're cold, you're cold. Or if you, if, yeah, I butchered it. If you're cold, they're cold, guys. Four, let indoor faucet strip. Kind of the only good one that's on there. I think most people know that at this point, but nice to have it out there. Five, use space heater safely. No sort of insight onto how to do that, but just letting you know. And then six, check on the elderly. There you go. Those are your cold safety tips from Wave 3. Did everybody write that down? Do you have that? Are you good? Send a self-addressed stamp envelope (laughs) 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 to Mike Rutherford. (laughs) You now know how to bravely face the cold tomorrow morning. Uh, It is ungodly cold. I also saw during the break, we had a little bit of breaking news. I can't read the story because it's behind a paywall for a, a, a website that I don't follow. But apparently Florida, the Gators football program, under NCAA investigation. Really? According to the Tampa Bay uh, Times. Don't know what they're under investigation for, but you know we've got Florida State dealing with some NCAA stuff. Now Florida dealing with some NCAA stuff. The you know, the NCAA at war, with, at war with Ron DeSantis. I don't know what he did, but they're, they're very upset. Miami, are you next? UCF, catching strays. USF, potentially catching strays. Who knows? Speaking of UCF, before we go to USF, before we go back to the Thornton's text line, I don't know if you saw this last night, Matt. Kind of a, it was a lame night in college basketball. Not a whole lot going on. Yeah, but you had South Florida became the first team in at least 20 years that was unranked and overcame a deficit of 20 points or more to beat a top 10 team. And we bring that up, of course, because the team that they did it against was the Fighting Tigers of Memphis State, who we love to point and mock. Memphis led that game by 20 last night. South Florida, at home, by the way, South Florida roars all the way back and takes them down. 74-73 was the final score. Props to the Bulls. Amir Abdul-Rahim getting it done. Boom. Suck it, Memphis. It is not even the first year. <laughs> In his unth year, Abdul, Amir Abdul-Rahim getting it done at a place where it's very, very difficult to win basketball games. Not, not against Memphis. That was uh, very cool to see. We got all sorts of stuff happening. It will be a good weekend of college basketball. Uh, it's actually, it's, it's a nice little night starting tonight. I wish we'd have more Friday games. I feel like they, you, you could have the disparity when having some good games on Friday, a few more good games on Friday, as opposed to like just a billion games on Saturday. You're especially. telling me that ESPN doesn't know how to stagger games or tip off times? so frustrating. I'm shocked. Especially when you still have the NFL playoffs. Yeah, the, the staggering of, of games. It also was annoying on Wednesday because they're telling us, they have the little thing on the bottom right corner saying, you can watch Louisville, the star of Louisville versus North Carolina on the ACC Network Extra and the app, watch ESPN app, and it just wasn't there. So... It was yeah, we were screwed. Yeah, I was live tweeting the beginning of the game, and I had a couple of people, couple of people ask me like, "How are you watching the game?" I'm like, "I'm not game game tracker." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just, exactly. just on the game. Did it, when Neil scored the first two points, it's like I didn't see it. I don't think it actually happened. I'm pretty sure that that Jovanovic did not score. No, no, I'm choosing not to believe it. Five zero two four one four fourteen fifty is the Thornton's text line. Let's take some text from you guys. Let's keep it going. Texter says, "What are your thoughts on Mick Cronin saying that he wants UCLA to be his last job?" Well, I, mean, I think that should tell us that he doesn't want to come here. My thought is that he's a Patino protege. Patino said that about Iona. He said he said that about he said that everywhere he's been. He Patino said that Panathinaikos in in Greece was going to be his last job, and they said it about Iona. And I'm sure now he's saying it about he is saying it about St. John's. So, I mean, Mick may want it to be his last job because suddenly he finds himself on the hot seat. Although they have won two games in a row, and they knocked off a ranked Arizona State team with a big comeback the other night. Um, 
Is Mick back to being the pick, Matt McGavick? He, is, he was not the pick to begin <laughs> with. So I will go out on the limb and say Mick is not the pick. He is Sorry, Bring Brom Home guy, if you're listening. I had to block you again. I'm sorry. I just mute. Yeah, I, I, he's back. Oh, I straight up blocked him. Because even though I muted him, he would still kind of like reappear on my timeline for some reason just because Twitter is still an ungodly mess with its code and whatnot. So I'm like, you know what? I don't want to see this. I've been more. I've been doing the block way more recently. Like I used to always just do the mute because I'm like, yeah, oh, it's cool. Like they don't, you, they don't know that you can't see them and stuff. But now stuff keeps stuff does keep popping up. So if you, mm-hmm. you know, if you just, if it's something that's like a blockable offense, I'm like boom, you're gone. Done. Yeah. No, I do the don't same way. It. Like if if you want to say that like my content is dumb, like yeah, you find whatever you get to me. If you start hurling like the personal insults, like yeah, you're gone. Yeah, it's there's no reason for it. Uh, I did have a. I had one of those gambling nights last night because I'm still like I'm doing well in college basketball and I made three bets last night. I made one bigger than the others, which I hit, and it was not a personal deal. I wish I could take credit for it, but I do follow like this account. Their big bet of the night was the over in the um, Seattle game. Uh, Seattle was playing. I think uh, uh, who was they playing last night? Uh, clearly, I was locked in, but I was like, all right, you, <laughs> you have a good record. You, you done me well. I'm gonna bet big on that one. But the two personal bets that I made, it was the first time where I was like, all right, like these are two just atrocious beats. I took. Wichita State plus eight and a half live when they were up on um, Florida Atlantic last night, and Florida Atlantic makes a meaningless like like layup to make it a nine point game. They win by nine. I lose by the, the hook, and then the other one that I, I bet a little bit more on because I felt pretty confident about. It. I think one of the texters had it yesterday too. I was like, Cal's going to beat Washington. It's at home. Washington's atrocious. Mike Hopkins wants to get fired. Cal's going to win this game, and Cal like pretty much controlled it. Like they're up four late. I'm like, this is it's a lock. All I need is them to win by. By two points. Done. We're good. Make some free throws. Win this game. Of course, they don't make free throws. Not only do they not make free throws, they give up a last-second three to Moses Wood of Washington to win the game. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> Washington stuns Cal on its home floor. That was a, that was the one where I was like, okay, this is. I see why people don't like doing this. When it's not your night, it's not your night. When it's not your night, it's not your night. I'm still feeling good, though. I'm still doing well with college. I just need to stick with college basketball. My issue is... When when the NFL games roll around and I'm watching the NFL games, I want it. You know, I'm like I'm like okay, like this. Is, and the thing is, I don't know anything about the NFL. I'm not yeah, good I, at it. I usually stick with stick with the NFL or college football just because I feel like I'm more intimately familiar with some of the storylines and ebbs and flows to that season. Versus I'm bad at it. I'm college. bad. At it. I'm, I'm just not good at it. Yeah, you need to stop. But college basketball, that's the bread and butter. Texas, I've got a random what if for you for Louisville. Okay, let's hear it. What if Malik Williams never got injured during that Florida State game back in 2020, the one that was basically for the ACC championship? How different would Louisville history play out? I'm thinking the 2021 with a healthy Malik and the what-if question of beating FSU and winning the ACC regular season championship. Um, does it really change much? I don't know if it does, to be honest with you. I mean, Louisville... I mean the the big what if for that Louisville team I think is just what if they'd gotten a chance to play in the postseason right yeah. I I honestly think the biggest what if for the men's basketball program over the last several years is what if Chris Mack doesn't get suspended for the first few games of the season because like we saw how well the team performed under Big East and then. They come out later and say like the main reason that they kind of floundered when Mac came back was because they didn't know who to listen to. Right. If Mac is just the head guy from the get go, there's no confusion. Like they know that they're gonna go with what Mac is running. There's not like, oh, do we do what Piggies what we'd been doing under Piggies was successful, or do we go with coach? No. I think if that suspension was never instituted, 
the trajectory of the Louisville basketball program is much different. I think there are a lot of what-ifs during that period. I mean, there are obviously a lot of what-ifs over the last decade of Louisville basketball, but that period specifically, and it's not. this isn't coming in. I, I know we probably view Chris Mack with maybe a little bit more of a rosy-colored lens than we did when he initially got fired because you know, what has transpired since has been even worse. But I do – I mean, I do wonder in 2020 if they get to play in the post. I, I know that they were limping down the stretch – but so they were supposed to play Syracuse that night where the world shut down in the ACC tournament quarterfinals. It's a Syracuse team that even though even when Louisville was playing poorly down the stretch, they beat them by 30 just a couple weeks earlier. Yeah. You feel good about them winning that game, getting the semifinals, maybe getting some some confidence going. And despite that team's struggles down the stretch, it was a really good offensive team. I'm looking at it right now. They, they finished that year number nine on Ken Palm. Like Ken Palm has that, had them as a top Ooh, 10 that team. that high? Wow. I don't yeah, remember it being they, that high. They were probably – sort of going to be more of a four to three seed range than the, I don't think they had a shot at being a top two seed even if they won the conference tournament but you never know and you know we've seen crazy stuff happen in March teams get hot especially teams that are more offensive laden than de- defensive laden like they could have definitely won a couple of games gone to the second weekend we would have seen what happened and then maybe Mac it, it just changes the next couple of years I also wonder I mean you, you talk about what if he hadn't had to fire the assistants he fired the assistants because they didn't make the NCAA tournament the year before. Let's let's say, yeah. let's say they win one more game. They, they had a couple of games canceled by COVID. Let's say they play one of those games and they win it, or they just win one of the games that they lost down the stretch. Or you know, or even if Mac doesn't lie about like what all yeah. he said on the tape, because like that, like, yeah. was the biggest reason why he was suspended. About not because he recorded it. I mean that played a role, yeah, but like he lied about what was said yeah. in the meeting. He did. Or you know, the committee gets Louisville in as the the last team in the NCAA tournament, which yeah. they take UCLA spot. I'm not saying they go to the Final Four like UCLA did, but maybe they win a couple of games in the tournament. Nobody goes to Chris Mack and says, you need to make sweeping changes. I mean, think about that. That was the storyline was, we don't miss tournaments at Louisville. That was the storyline. In 2020, we don't miss the NCAA tournament at a place like Louisville. When we do, there have to be there has to be a sweeping change. So you need to go out there and you need to fire some assistants. That was, that was the story that was out there. So he has to. You know, they're surprised that it's 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 Luke Murray and Dino Gaudio. I think the other three assistants all thought it was going to be everyone besides Gaudio because that's his right hand man. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, the situation is totally bungled. Um, I, I think that Mac didn't want to fire anybody. I think that he was upset about the way it worked. And then when he got suspended for six games as a result, I think he was he was kind of done. He felt like he didn't have the support. And, and then. That set the stage for the catastrophe that we've seen that is the last three years, really. Like, it could have all been very easily avoidable. And the fact that Luke Murray, you know, I mean, Luke Murray, you no, know, he goes to UConn and promptly wins a national title there. Like, the, the guy's being targeted as a head coach for a reason. He has a, a pretty solid reputation as an assistant coach. And the fact that he was let go at Louisville when we were struggling the way that we were is just, it, it all is such a terrible look. It just, it went horribly, horribly awry. And it feels like it was pretty easily avoidable even if Mac just had someone in the meeting with him and if he didn't go rogue and just kind of do it off script with no one else like kind of overseeing the whole thing and I mean and let's be real like they Mac according to like like, even though there were small minor rules violations he knowingly broke some rules like Guardia wouldn't have had a leg to stand on if they hadn't been using um you know grad assistance in practice when they weren't supposed to and making these videos like again stupid rules that no longer exist it's it's but they were rules nonetheless but they were rules nonetheless and, and you know when you take the job at louisville given what had just transpired the program that you have to be doing every single thing by the book and he wasn't and it 
you know, I'm not advocating extortion. I think if you're if you're if you're ranking levels of wrong here, what Dino Gaudio did was far more wrong than what Chris Mack did. Yeah, but both still bad. It, it was again a very very easily avoidable situation that wasn't avoided, and boom, fast forward three years and we're talking about. <laughs> winning 10 games. Oh, we, we, we lost 15 of 18 that year, his his last year, and we've gone, what, 10 and uh, 10 and 40 since, whatever the hell it is. Uh, don't, I, I can't do the math. We've, we've lost a lot of games over the last three years, a lot more than we've won. It's bad. Jeff, Jeff Brom has as many wins as Kenny Payne does. Yeah. Just saying. He's been cool. Texture says, Mike continually saying that it's not a rant yesterday, the gif of the not a bribe. It wasn't a bribe. It wasn't a rant either. Did not rant. Texas, I love how uh, Kentucky fans arguing that Mick from UCLA to Louisville is a lateral move proves that UofL is a blue blood. By the way, I'm not advocating for Mick. UK fans, I feel like everybody in college basketball circles is in agreement that UCLA is a blue blood besides UK fans. I don't know why they, and I've noticed this early on when I started doing more media stuff and interacting with more UK fans and fan media, like they get so uptight if you even mention UCLA as a blue blood. I'm like, what well, you know, the I mean, they are. I know it was a long time ago, but like you have to acknowledge the greatest run in college basketball history. And it's not like they've been a nobody since then. They haven't been as good, but they, at least unlike Indiana, have been to some recent Final Fours. Uh, they won a national title in the 90s. And it, like, I get that like counting titles from the 1920s and stuff, at some point you have to draw a line and be like, that's not really relevant to where we are today. Yeah, But you see, I mean... UCLA being so dominant in the 60s and 70s has to at least count for something, yeah, right? I mean, you, you lead the sport in national championships, which is what everything is judged on. So how can you not like call them a blue blood? And I'm not saying they have to be number one. Like they have no. the most national titles, but like I, I wouldn't call Notre Dame the like the number one program in all of college football right now. They they've got the most I think overall wins, but they you know Michigan they, does. Does Michigan know? Mm-hmm. I always thought it was Notre Dame for some mm-hmm. reason. No, Michigan. I Michigan's, Michigan's the only program with over a thousand wins. And I wouldn't count Michigan as the number one program in all of college football, despite those records. I think you know they've been not as good as some other programs over the last 40, yeah. 50 years. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, is UCLA like the number five blue blood out of the five blue bloods? Yeah, I think. But so. I mean, they're still blue blood. Yeah, but they're they're still belong in that category. I don't know what the exact ranking is, but yeah. And saying that U of L. Couldn't poach a UCLA coach. I mean, th- th- there are reasons why I think McCrona would want to make the move to Louisville, and it's not because Louisville's a better program or anything. I think you, he's more of a basketball purist. And, and UCLA, you've got you have this weird mixture of the fans don't really show up for games in large quantities anymore because, and I get it. it, it like, like apparently, Pauley Pavilion's a really tough place to get to. You play a lot of these games, even if it's nine o'clock on the East Coast. It's a six o'clock tip on the East Coast. That's a difficult or on the West Coast, I should say. It's difficult to get to that place in time for that game and, and all those those modern-day concerns. But the fans that they do have are still very, very passionate and hold that program to a very high standard. So you've got – I mean, Ben Hallen goes to three consecutive Final Fours, and he's running out of town just a couple of years later because it's, it's not good enough at UCLA. Yep. So it's you kind of have an Indiana thing going on without the excuse of, of, of you know, like Indiana fans still show up for sure. Texture says, uh, this isn't rocket science. Payne's just not a bright man. Good guy or not, he has below average IQ. That's not his fault. He shouldn't have been hired. I mean, I don't know if it's that. I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. I think he's just not... He's terrible at communicating, which is a gigantic issue. Yeah. And I think this is something that I, I think he said today or I mean, yesterday or Wednesday. If you're that bad at communicating with the fan base, 
it's not exactly comforting when it comes to our belief that you can communicate effectively with the team. Yeah, because I mean, if, when you break down what coaching is, I mean, ultimately it's communicating what you want to your players. And you, if you can't, if you struggle with communication on a basic level to us in the media, I mean, what what are you telling these kids behind closed doors? Yeah, I mean, if, if you're you can have the most basketball knowledge in the entire world. If you can't effectively communicate that knowledge to your your, your players and your and your coaching staff, you're a bad coach. And when you hear him like just make points that don't make any sense and harp on talking points that are just things that you don't need to say out loud, right. it does kind of make you wonder, like, okay, is this the problem? Can you just not get through to your players because you don't know what you're saying? Texas, oh, so coaches rant but not you. Things that go, hmm, I've never ranted. <laughs> never ranted once. Have not ranted. Never happened. Texas says, if you all had to bet right now, playoff or no for Louisville next year in football. I mean, the the, the money line, if, you, if, like, if you're getting odds on that, the favorite's going to be no, right? Yeah. Because Louisville's not going to be a preseason top 12 team. I wouldn't say an overwhelming no, though. No, but it would lean towards no. And yeah. I, I think no is the safer bet. Because one, like we have rarely been a program that if you if the twelve team playoff had been around for the last you know thirty years, we make it what three times? Three times, yeah, three or two or three times, some somewhere in that. It's not a lot. No, do they make it? Yeah, they they make it, but it's not with consistency. Like oh six, they make it. Twenty twelve, they would have made it because they've been a conference champion. 2013, maybe they would have made it as the 11 and one team despite that terrible schedule. Um, I guess they would have, you know, if they just beat Kentucky in in 2016, Lamar, the Heisman season, they make it. But probably we're talking like two or three times in 30 years. So the, the money says like they're probably more likely not to make it than they are. But I, you know, it wouldn't be. I wouldn't scoff at the idea. I wouldn't either. The schedule is going to be tougher next year. You assume. Because you play Kentucky on the road, who's had your number recently. You play Notre Dame on the road, which just automatically makes that a tougher game than it was at home. Right. You have to play Clemson, who people think is going to be good, on the road. You've never beaten them, uh, and they don't lose often at home. And, so, and, and there are trap games on the schedule, like at Boston College, with Cassianos coming back and some of those other cast of characters around him. Sure. You never know. Like, like when it, we, Whenever we analyze how tough a schedule is going to be, like I always kind of laugh at it because you, like the middle of the ACC is so wildly unpredictable from one season to the next. So we thought all these games last year were going like we thought Pitt, which we ended up losing, was going to be such a tough game because they were going to be a good team, and, and Pitt sucked. Like we should have won. Like you, you should not be losing on the road to, to that Pitt team. They only won one other FBS game last season. So like we don't know, but I, I would say it's going to be a tougher schedule based solely on the fact that you've got at Kentucky, at Clemson, at Notre Dame. And if you're going to go to the playoff next year, you probably have to win two of those three games. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, or at the bare minimum, sneak into the eight, like have not do great in the non-con, but somehow like either go seven and one or run the table in ACC play and be the champion in the conference. Yeah, yeah. Texture says, my wife tweeted cheated on me during our first year of marriage, but she quickly corrected me and told me that it wasn't actually our first year of marriage, <laughs> and things only count this year going forward. checks out that tracks nothing that happens in year one matters i would like to see somebody else try to this defense in any other walk of life where it's you know like like your honor it was only the first year it didn't count first year on the job just uh, you know just just what it was yeah (laughs) 
Texas is already getting Matt as a permanent co-host now. Would love it. Would love it. Radio people, if you're listening. Go fund me. Get some, get some money there. I'm manifesting this into the universe. <laughs> Texas says it was always a Satterfield thing that people would say, great guy, but before discussing our complaints, I know lots of great people who I don't want to coach. Critiquing someone's great work on the job is not the same as critiquing their character. I don't want a choir boy. I want to win games. Domestic abusers need not apply. I mean, that's another, this is the second time I've, I've, I've brought up a kind of a trope from the old Tyson Tate podcast, but they had a good guy of the week where it was like, <laughs> They, they had a good guy, bad guy, bad guy segment where you know the, the bad guy was somebody who was getting big recruits in sort of a nefarious way. The bad guy was a, a coach who was behaving poorly. And out the there. quote unquote right way. Yeah. And, and the good guy was always a coach that sucked, but nobody wanted to come out and just say he sucks at coaching. So they would say he's a really good guy, but, and Kenny Kane, Kenny Payne is like the, the optimal good guy. Cause every time that we even locally criticize him or nationally, you hear crit- critiques of him. It always comes with a caveat of like, I think Kenny Payne's a really good person. I think he's a really good guy. So as if that somehow cushions the blow for us to just completely crap on his ability as a head coach, which yeah. in fact is what we're about we're, to do when you say that. Exactly. And I know I, I absolutely did not rant about this before, but in one of my <laughs> non rants a few weeks ago, I was like, you know, I like to think myself of a, a, as a pretty good person. I think that I, I try to do the right things. I think I'm, you know, I'm funny on Twitter every now and then. Do you I, take the shopping cart back to the corral. I always take the shopping cart back to okay, the corral. It's the, it's the good, per, the good character test. If you wanted me to operate on you, I think that you were making a mistake. Like you should, if you see me walking into your operating room for your surgery, I would run. I'd be like, he's a good guy, but I don't want him operating on me. I'm a good guy. I I, I can't do nuclear physics. If you're if you're trusting me. To get you to the moon, because I'm working for NASA, it's going to go poorly. Maybe you could if you stayed in the Holiday Inn Express last night. But I am a good guy. <laughs> it doesn't matter, though. It's not worth It's not worth bringing up in these types of conversations. He is paid handsomely to get a job done. He's not getting the job done. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. I don't want him to like... And, and look... I wish I could get paid $3.5 million to have to just have a throwaway year. That'd be great. And that's the thing, like... It's not like if he gets fired here that we're all saying he needs to get paraded through the streets of downtown as we all huck tomatoes at him. Like he's Kenny Payne's gonna be fine at the end of all of this. We don't need to. We don't have to be nice about this. It's nice that we are. Like I think we're trying to. But like Kenny Payne, we're all suffering through this era of Louisville basketball together. And like you, me, and everybody listening, we're not gonna get anything out of this. We're not gonna get paid for this. We're just losing years of our sports life following this god-awful basketball program, whenever it ends for Kenny Payne, he's going to be set for his entire generations of the Payne family. Zan is going to want for nothing for the rest of his life. His kids, Zan's kids, are set for life because of what Kenny Payne has uh, gotten for his coaching. And like he's, he's going to be fine. He's going to be okay. It's not going to be the worst thing in the world if we have to fire him after two years. He can, And the thing is, too, he's still marketable. He's still attractive as a second guy somewhere. He did a great job at UK, by all accounts. Great job at Oregon. Was well-respected in the NBA when he was with the Knicks. Somebody will hire him again, and they will pay him handsomely to do what he had been doing prior to his disastrous tenure at UofL. Kenny Payne is going to be fine. We don't need to feel sorry for Kenny Payne. I mean, I feel sorry for anybody when they get publicly you know, called out a little bit for doing a bad job. But at the end of the day, that's what he's being paid to do. He's not getting it done. You have to say what it is. We can't just sit here and lie and be like, you know, 10 wins is great through two through two years. Not to pull a complete 180, but Mark Andrews just, just got ruled out for 
the Ravens game. So yeah. This is why I like talking about basketball. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about football. Mark Andrews is out. I mean that sucks, but it's not like you know, it's not like this is something new, right? Like they've been playing without Mark Andrews for yeah. virtually the I mean, entire season. There, there was optimism that he could go, but I mean, if, right. you, if you saw some of the pictures from him in practice, his his calf was kind of skinny. So pushing them to go for this weekend was probably not in their probably not the best idea. Isaiah Likely's good. Like the, yeah, they're he's go- good backup. They're going to be okay. This this is not like terrible news because Andrews has been their leading receiver the entire year, and oh god, now he's taken away at the last second. They're, like they're going to be fine. Would like would love to have Andrews. Maybe he can be healthy for the AFC title game or the Super Bowl. But for now, it's okay. All right, we got one hour left here of the Mike Rutherford Show. Matt McGavick is in studio. We'll continue to take some texts from you guys. I have a couple other things that I want to bring to the table, and then we'll preview the weekend ahead in the world of sports. Again, Mike Rutherford Show here on fourteen fifty and ninety six one, the Big X. Radio, 1450 and 96.1 FM, WXVW, Jeffersonville, W230CK, Jeffersonville. Hi, this is New Albany Mayor Jeff Gahan. I'd like to take this opportunity to wish New Albany and the Bulldogs the best of luck this season. It's going to be a special season. Thanks for making New Albany proud. We have a lot to be proud of here in New Albany, most importantly our schools. The citizens of New Albany and Floyd County are investing $87 million to make our public schools even better than before. Our students will be safer and they'll even have a greater opportunity to reach their potential. Come see for yourself why the city of New Albany is where you should be. Until about 10 years ago, for any electrical work I needed at my house, I was always calling a different electrician, sometimes for the same job. Things weren't done right and they weren't done on time, but for the last 10 years, Allen Electrical has been the only one I call. The work is unparalleled, it's prompt, the team's the epitome of professionalism. (laughs) You know, when I see an Allen Electrical truck in a neighbor's driveway, I kind of smile because I know they're getting the best. Allen Electrical, your electrician for life. Visit allenelectrical.com. They'll never leave you in the dark. Here's what you missed on Kentucky Roll Call. Is Hall of Fame head coach John Calipari. Recruiting is the talk of the town. What message would you tell UK fans that are getting excited about an upcoming class? Well, you know, I, I think we've, you know, kids want to play here. They want to be here. They want to, uh, they understand the culture. But they know coming in what this is and what it isn't. It's about developing young people. You ready? And developing a team. It's both. And having people watch your team and say, wow, that is so enjoyable to watch. Man, they play hard and they play together. That's developing team. The other part is developing individual players. And we've done that from John Wall to Eric Bledsoe all the way to Oscar Sheebway, developing players. But you got to do both. And so all I can say is we're recruiting the best players. Kentucky Roll Call, weekdays 7 to 9 on the Big X Sports Radio. 
There is not a better feeling to have a smile on your face after getting your car serviced. That's how it works at Consolidated Tire and Auto Care. Serving Kentuckiana for over three decades, fixing brakes, putting tires on, and servicing your car. And now, from a new and improved location at 3305 Preston Highway. Want to get your car running right and keep it that way? Get to Consolidated Tire and Auto Care, 3305 Preston Highway. Got a question? You can call them at 456-2220. Consolidated Tire and Auto Care, total car care, and the best brake job in town. Hey Cards fans, UofL's nationally ranked and globally recognized 20-month professional MBA combines the experience of a top-rated program with the convenience of evening classes. Learn from world-class faculty as well as regional and national business leaders. Connect with industry experts, expand your professional network, hone your skills, and advance your career without interrupting it. Get started today and earn your MBA. Visit business.louisville.edu backslash UofL MBA. Get your Saturday morning wake-up call on Big X Sports Radio. Wake up 502 with Rashawn Myers every Saturday morning from 9 until 11 a.m. Only on WXBW 96.1 and 1450 a.m. The Big X. Joined by the architect himself, Haven Harrington. They bring you all the sports commentary and opinions on both local and national sports you need to get your weekend started. Wake up 502. It's more than just talk. Hi, this is Nathan, General Manager at your local AirServe. We know it's cold, but we are here for our customers in any weather. We are working around the clock to ensure that you'll be comfortable in your home. If your heat is off, call us now. Or if it's working, call AirServe for a free peace of mind safety inspection and tune-up for only $69. We are here for our customers during this weather. Stay warm, stay comfortable, stay AirServe. hour happy friday to you it's been a long week it's been a cold week we're now cruising into the weekend here on 1450 and 96 one the big x hopefully you're off work headed home and spending some time with us here on this friday as we get ready for uh, another weekend of uofl men's and women's basketball the women's team by the way we should mention i uh, have not talked about the fact that last night taking care of business on the road against clemson uh, cards remaining the only undefeated team in the acc after handling business with an 81-64 road victory over the Tigers, cards number 12 in the country in the coaches poll, number 13 in the country in the AP poll, 16-2 and now overall, 5-0 and in the ACC. Uh, bigger games coming for them as we get towards the end of this month and then into February, but for right now, continuing to sit on top of the, the ACC women's basketball standings, which includes you know some several top-ranked teams, NC State being chief among those. But and Didn't they lose to Florida State yesterday too? Did they lose to Florida State? I think they did. I thought they they were getting somebody. Miami was giving a tough game to somebody too. Um, Maybe it was Miami, but it was Miami. Yeah, Miami. They lost wrong Florida school. Seventy three fifty nine to Miami, which is a Miami team that we've already knocked off. So that makes you feel pretty good about potentially having a chance to to win this conference as they move on. Yeah, the cards. the, The rest of this month, they've got a tough game coming up on Sunday. They'll play North Carolina, who is nationally ranked number twenty four in the polls, and that's in Chapel Hill. That's a two p.m. tip off. Uh, in Chapel Hill, BC, you think they take care of business? Pitt, you think they take care of business? And then you, as you get into to February, they're at NC State. That's a big Monday game. 
uh, in Raleigh on February 5th. They'll play Notre Dame, who's kind of on the mend, coming back a little bit on February mm-hmm. 8th. They will play Virginia Tech, the team that knocked them off in the conference tournament championship last year, on February 18th. That's a Sunday game. And then they get um, uh, Notre Dame again in South Bend on March 3rd. So that will be – the tougher games are coming. But for right now – They're, they're sitting pretty. They're gelling. They're playing. It's such a unique Jeff Walls team because I think we're so accustomed to having multiple good players, but still having that one person that you highlight and say, she's the player who's like, uh, if if it's crunch time, you know that they're going to get the ball. Right. And she's a top tier candidate for conference player of the year. I mean, think about all the conference player of the, uh, players of the year that we've had since Walls took over. You know, between Angel McCautry, Shoni Schimmel, Maisha Hines Allen, one conference player of the year, uh, Asia Durr, Dana Evans, and then even Haley Van Lith, who, who never wound up being conference player of the year, but we still looked at as a potential star. And now we have nobody averaging, I think, better than 12 points per game. You've got a lot of, of, of women playing a lot of minutes. You have all these transfers, Olivia Cochran coming back. Like, like We may have only a couple of all-conference players this year, and we have nobody who's probably going to get votes for, for conference player of the year. And still, the results speak for themselves. 16-2, and 6-0 and in, in the ACC. Very much capable of going to a 7th straight Sweet 16 and potentially a 6th straight Elite 8, which is something that no other program in college basketball has done, and women's college basketball has done. So, suck it, rest of the country. I did catch a little <laughs> bit of the LSU game. They beat um, Alabama, who beat us early in the year. Oh, really? And saw them kind of bouncing back. But, you know, whatever. You know, who cares? Get out of here. As long as they don't win it all. That's all I care about. We've been talking a little basketball, a little bit of, uh, of still reaction to the Kenny Payne year one, year two debacle comments from Wednesday night. We've also talked about the, the UVA football program, which if you have not heard, 24 transfer portal players are now officially enrolled at the University of Louisville. Two more are committed but not going to join the program until May. That's Thor Griffith, the Harvard defensive lineman, and Mark Redman, the San Diego State tight end. We're trying to focus on football as much as we possibly can because Lord knows it's fun. It's more fun to talk about. What did you think, Matt, Of on a football note? I loved seeing Jeff Brom and Brady Brom make the trip to North Carolina to watch this team take on the Tar Heels. But at least in the first picture, Brady had a better seat than Jeff. I don't know if you caught that. Did you see that? I mean, he's been doing work and recruit, helping recruit and I, put out those Brady bombs. So, I mean, you know, is, I'd say he deserved that seat. Is Brady the higher profile offseason Brom? A lot of people are talking right now. A lot of people are saying this. The kid's just, uh, he's electric out there. He's always taking center stage. He's pushing Jeff out of the, the way to get pictures with uh, with Governor Bashir at the Derby. He's making him stand on the lower rung. He's knocking him back at uh, at the Dean Dome. He's taking the courtside seat and making Jeff sit in row two. Like This is Brady Brom's world. Has Brady usurped Brian in the Brom hierarchy? Brian was always behind Brady. <laughs> Brian's behind Ashley. He's behind Donna. He's behind, he's behind every single Brom. He's, he's, de- he's way behind Greg. Like Brian, he's the enemy of the show. We don't, we don't need him on here. That was my goal, and I think we need to get back to it. Maybe that's a summer thing. I wanted to have every single Brom on the show besides Brian. Like, I, I want his kids on the show. Uh, we'll have Mark, his cousin. We'll have uh, like every single Brom cousin. We'll have Dana on. We'll have uh, you know, every Brom that I know. And we'll make Brian just like stand outside in the parking lot, just peering over the fence here, <laughs> watching us do radio from inside. Um, Brian, in all seriousness, I know Brian's doing a great job the entire – Brom clan was back on the road this week doing some more recruiting, getting out there, seeing some players. I do think that Brian, we're probably going to only get maybe two or three years with Brian more. I mean, he, yeah. he's a guy who's he's already been rumored as a head coaching candidate a couple of times. I do think that he wants to branch out on his own, which is understanding. As much as he loves his brothers, 
you're never going to get like let's say Louisville's offense next year looks the way that we expect a, a Brom offense to look, and we light it up, and Tyler Shuck's the real deal, and we got we're scoring points on everybody. Brian's not going to get all the credit for that. He's not going to get. He's never going to get as much credit as, as his brother does because everybody knows that while Brian may be game planning, while he may be suggesting things, at the end of the day, if Jeff wants to do something offensively, it's his call. Jeff's going to do it, and so I, like, I, I'm sure that has to grade on you a little bit as an offensive coordinator. And I think Brian has a ton of ability and eventually will be a great head coach. I think he's kind of probably ready to prove that. And if that if he's able to prove it as a head coach or if he's able to prove it as a big-time offensive coordinator somewhere else where he can feel like he's in full control of the offense, I think that'll probably happen at some point. But for now, love having this being a full family affair, having all the Brahms here. I love having the coaching staff made up mostly of uh, of Louisville people, whether it's UofL people mm-hmm. or guys who grew up in this area like Chris Barkley but didn't play here. Like It, it just... I don't know. I mean, I know it all comes secondary to winning, but it is a little bit sweeter when you have it with people who really, really get how much this means to all of us, right? Right. And we have it in basketball a little bit too, and it's just you know, they again, you l- have the they winning. Just lack the winning part. You just, yeah. You, you case in point, you've got to have the winning in there if it's going to happen. But I think there's a reason why we're all so excited about football, and a lot of it is the winning, and a lot of it too is I feel like we have we have guys here who get it, and that wasn't really the case before with, with Scott Satterfield. They didn't ever really seem to, to buy fully into it. I want to ask you this question. I got asked it on um, uh, the podcast earlier today and kind of differed with our answers. If you could guarantee one of these two things over the next two years, which would you pick? A trip to the Final Four in men's basketball or hosting a college football playoff game? Hosting a playoff game, no question. Here's – I utilize the semantics a little bit to give a snaky answer because the question – it wasn't playing in a playoff game. It was hosting a playoff game. So you could theoretically still make the playoff in these two two years and also go to the men's basketball Final Four while the, the reverse can't be true. And I think just if we go to a men's basketball Final Four in the next two years, it answers a lot of the biggest fears or puts to bed a lot of the biggest fears that we have right now for the program. Because let's be real. like our, If you haven't thought about it right now, you're in the minority, but if we're being honest with ourselves, a lot of us are having this this little doubt creeping into our minds of like, are we ever going to get back to being what we expect to be as a basketball program? Or maybe the, the lesser fear, like how long is it going to take? I mean, the, the, we've been Indiana. You risk turning, turning into Nebraska football. Right. In, in Nebraska football, Indiana basketball always comes up as this program that, I mean, I'm sure that 20 years ago they thought they were too big to fail. If you told any Indiana fan, you won't play in a regional final. Over the next two decades, they would have laughed in your face. So, but I mean, you kind of, the the longer this goes on, the more of a joke that we become, the more bad decisions that we make as a program. I think the the more fear that you have of this being something that isn't just a, hey, three years from now, we're going to be back to being great. If you could guarantee a Final Four trip, I don't care if it happens as a 10 seed, 5 seed, 1 seed, whatever, like you're feeling pretty good about the direction of the program. We've made the right hire or something good has happened. With football, if we don't make the playoff in the next two years, I think we can still be in a position where we feel pretty good about the football program. Like, that's possible. Yeah. And if we make the playoff and don't host, like, we still feel great about the football program. So I'm going with men's basketball. It's a little bit of a cheap answer because if the if the question was play in a college football playoff game or have the men's basketball Final Four, I think I'm leaning towards just taking the the guaranteed playoff because college football is a big deal. And we I'd love to be well positioned to be ex- this excited about football for the next however many years. However yeah, long I mean, as basketball crazy as this city is, I mean, 
college football is the straw that serves the drink, and it it's not even close. I mean, from a a national outlook, from a regional, like in the South outlook, I mean, football is king. And if Louisville can establish themselves as maybe not like one of the preeminent powers in football, but get in that air involved, like with teams that are regular national title tenders, I would I would take that hands down. I, sure. I I I love hoops, love basketball. But football's where it's at. My mic just fell off here. I don't know how to get that back on. You have to do this on the fly. I think you also have to trust that Louisville basketball can ride itself better than Louisville football can. Because we've seen Louisville football be a flash in the pan and then very quickly fall, not just down, but kind of off the, the, the face of the earth. God, I don't know if I'll get this mic back on. I don't, know. I don't know how this happened. It's been a long time. <laughs> this happened at the other – I'm going to have to hold this like I'm, like I'm doing some sort of stand-up. Uh, I don't know how – <laughs> What happened here? We have to work on this during the break. So airline food. Yeah. What's the deal with the trays in those bathrooms on airplanes? Is anybody shaving in there? Um, I don't even know what I'm talking about now. College basketball viewership over the weekend. I did want to pull this stat up because I think it's funny. Eric Crawford found this out. Last Saturday's games, uh, you know, college basketball numbers are paltry compared to any sort of college football numbers. We know this. But Kentucky-Texas A&M was the most watched game of the weekend. 1.5 million viewers tuned into ESPN to watch the uh, the Aggies take down the Wildcats in overtime. If you're wondering, 391,000 people watched Louisville fall to NC State on the CW. But there were two CW games last weekend. Only 378,000 fans watched FSU and Notre Dame do battle on the CW, which means... Louisville was the most watched program on the CW last weekend in college basketball. Put the banner up. We, I've been saying this for you. They can take the 2013 banner. Great. We're going to put up 75 banners up there. Banners for everything. Put the banner up. Most watched CW game of the weekend. Boom. Done. Does this mean the CW curse is lifted? Yeah. I guess. <laughs> I feel like if there was a CW curse, we would have won the game. It would be more well, of an yeah. NC State thing than it would be us. That's very true. Uh, but, yeah. we. Yeah, it uh, seems like the CW curse does really afflict the more highly regarded team. If you're looking for a comparison, by the way, so the most watched college basketball game of the weekend was 1.5 million people. Uh, the Browns-Texans wild card game, 25.9 million people watched that game. Also, the English Premier League, which was on NBC, Man City versus Newcastle, 1.285 million people. So more people were watching Kentucky than, than were watching the English Premier. Actually, more people were watching everything on TV than um, more people were watching UK than everything besides I mean, Man City, they draw. football. They do. Sony Open, PGA, 217K, Warriors Bucks, 336K. We how, drew- how did that playoff game do that you could only watch on the stream? Oh, the Peacock game? They yeah. they claimed what twenty eight million viewers across yeah, it was all something like yeah, that, yeah. They, they they claimed victory but a lot of people were still pissed off about it so who knows you know you never know the actual numbers you just never get it I will say like looking at these numbers though more people watched Louisville NC State on CW than watched Warriors Bucks on NBA TV we're hmm. outdrawing Steph Curry still even in this day and age I mean the Warriors aren't that good so maybe I learned a long time ago and Gary maybe you can agree with this like in radio. Everybody finds a way to skew the numbers to say that they have the best show. Like that's exactly right. It's a hundred percent true. Like I, I worked a bunch of different places, and it, all of them, 
everybody was like, well, we have this ratings book. I'm like, I'm looking at this. I'm like, what does this mean? They're like, we've got the best show. We've got most listened to show in the, in the biggest demographic. And then you're talking to other people at other stations. They're like, no, no, we have the best, the, the highest rated show. I'm like, oh, everybody does. They, do all-, they do all kinds of breakdowns. They do. And, and when you subscribe to the ratings, you get this this book that is almost as thick as a, as a small town phone book that just has all kinds of different things. Like, uh, oh, you were number one between one thirty and two thirty, exactly. For with welders, you know things like that. <laughs> and nowadays, it's even worse because you have the streaming numbers tossed in there too. So that's like, right. Yeah, your, your cumulative total actually is. We've never seen anything like this before. I'm like, hell yeah, this is great. And then you know, it's a, then you realize everybody else is saying the exact same thing. And you have these stations. This is one thing I don't understand about the ratings: is you have these stations that start playing Christmas music. Right after Thanksgiving, I hate that. And their they, numbers are astronomical. And their numbers yep. are astronomical. But how can you go out in January after the fact and say, "Hey, we were number one on December twenty fourth"? Yeah, but this is January third. What? What? You know, it's true. I, I never understood that. I actually, I never really got. It. So I didn't until I started doing sports radio. I had no idea what the numbers were like, and hearing some of the attention that Louisville people would pay to, to sports radio stuff, like I, I thought this was like like astronomical numbers. And then you start doing it, and you're like, oh, like we're all behind the third most listened to country music station in, in, <laughs> in the area. That's the way. Oh, it, it humbles you very quickly. Like, oh, okay, well, I, I, yeah. And if anybody played, if you played Christmas music in February on one of these stations, it would just like quadruple everybody's total. And like, I'm surprised that these stations that play Christmas music haven't said, hey, maybe if we play Christmas music. Once in a while, yeah. year-round, the ratings will go up. Christmas in July. Yeah, it's, I mean, maybe we should do that. I don't, I don't Play know. Play Christmas music on the Big X. I'd enjoy July off to have and have a ratings boost. It'd be great. Like I killed it in July. I didn't even have to do anything. It was fantastic. Give me a raise. This would be great. It was Christmas in July. Christmas in July. I think that's the million-dollar idea. Somebody hire us. We'll consult for everybody. I remember when Channel 41 first started out, that was one of their big uh, promotions is they would show Christmas uh, movies in July, and it was always brought to you by Smith's Furniture. It's like, oh, it's Christmas in July on WDRB. I remember the ads on the radio, (laughs) Smith's Christmas in July sale. Clearly affordable furniture stores. On the furniture corner of State and Maine and New Albany. And New Albany. On the furniture corner of State and Maine and New Albany. This is a free plug for Smith's right there. You don't have to pay us. We're good. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, they were ahead of the times. They saw what was coming, and they, they were out in front of it. Props to them. They got it done. Um, we can go back to the Thornton sex line here in a second, 502-414-1450. I, I just thought Alec, we were talking about off-air, the Alec Baldwin news. I, 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 I forgot thought, about that. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned it at the beginning of the show. Yeah. I kind of thought that story was was done, and he's been indicted on, uh, what, two manslaughter charges after that that shooting on the set of the movie that he was filming. That's, that's wild. Uh, the only thing that's trending behind Sports Illustrated. Alec Baldwin, <laughs> right there. Uh, you are. So I know you're a Colts fan, Matt. Are you a Pacers fan as well? Uh, no, I'm a Celtics fan. Celtics. Okay, so I did. Yeah, that's right. Because I didn't know that's you like the a, one team that I cheer for that's not from this region. I'm a Colts fan. I'm a Reds fan, and then Celtics are kind of thrown in the mix. I didn't know if you had a reaction to the the, the big trade with Toronto, which uh, did send Jordan Wara up there uh, up north. But good was, for them. Yeah, that was yeah, hope hope the best for Jordan. I feel like Jordan keeps finding himself in good positions with good franchises, and then and they uh, trade him immediately. He's traded to franchises in crap spots. So best of luck to him. He's Jordan. I thought he might hang around as a three point specialist in the NBA for a while. He's done more than I thought he was going to. To be quite frank, like he's he has a more well rounded game. He's, he's gotten, been a sufficient role player. That's for sure. He's been good. He, he's had he's had a nice little run. He's I mean very athletic. I think we he was always an underrated athlete. You could only see it when he would dunk, but he. he 
an NBA skill set. He showed it for sure. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Texture says, Mike, when is the Make Him Say Nah remix going to drop? <laughs> we are going to do that. We need Master B to get involved. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Y'all after big things, we after drum tangs. Texture says, uh, wasn't the leg injury what kept him out of the 2021 season, though? The Malik Williams thing. I mean, Malik, he played in 2021, didn't he? Didn't he? He, he played a little bit, and then yeah, and then he suffered. Got the, hurt again. Yeah, he played. Yeah, he did play a little bit, but the, the leg injury is what like sidelined him for good for the rest of that season. Yeah. It was against Florida State, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that's what the text was talking about. Oh yeah, and he was he, basically his what if was like, what if Malik didn't get hurt and we won that game? Um, hmm. Gotcha. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it would have made that. Malik was, I think we do, we kind of gloss over because he was, he ended up becoming such a lightning rod for criticism towards the end of his career here. Like, he, he was before that injury playing really good basketball. I think he was the runner up for like six man of the year in the ACC. He may have won six man yeah, of the no, year. Yeah, no, he was the runner up the year before. He was runner up. Like, like, he was putting up good numbers. He was playing really, really good basketball before he got hurt. And then, yeah, that, that derailed. He only played three games in the 2020 2021 season and then came back for. Uh, the the, you know, the the last year of the Chris Mack era and very much was, I think, more criticized than he was praised. That was the most awkward senior day of all time. Because, yeah. one, he'd already done it the year before. He'd gone through the senior day process. Two, he was very clearly pissed off at the situation at UofL. The fan base was not overly in his corner. And it was just like, like remember like, there was the image of him and Jared West and whoever the other seniors were, like holding their pictures up, and he was just completely stone faced, just very mm-hmm. much like, just I, I, I'd rather be anywhere in the world than here right now. He's got a weird legacy here because he did some good things, but I don't know. Texture says, "How would they know who to listen to, though?" I get Pegues was the interim coach for the first uh, for the first month, but Mac was the head coach before and after the suspension. Pegues would, or at least should have, been coaching them the same stuff that Mac was coaching. I mean, that's what we heard from the players. It wasn't just that either. They brought in, you know, Ross McMains was the, the story that they always said that the players after the season was McMains came in and during the summer because he was in, implementing this new offense, like he was sort of the guy who was running practice. He, he was the guy who was talking the most. He kind of assumed the role of, of being the head coach, and then. Season starts, Mac suspended. Pegues is the guy who's running practice and assuming the role of being the head coach. And then Mac comes back, and Mac's assuming the role of being the head coach. And I guess it's just different styles because the Texas right. You should, in theory, all be teaching the same things. It should, there should be some consistency there, but I guess there wasn't. I, I guess that was the that was the issue. And you had so much turnover from the year before with getting rid of Gaudio and Murray and, and, and so many of those guys. Yeah. And, uh, it, it, it was just too chaotic, I think, to succeed. And yeah, there are just so, too many moving parts. Yeah, Texas says for argument's sake, Kentucky counts the first four of their national titles, and they're all prior to 1960, and what we know today as modern basketball. It's true. Really makes you think. Really makes you think. It really does. They've won what? Three national titles in my lifetime. We've won two. The next one evens it up. That's how I view it. Texas, I'm a big fan of Matt being a co-host, to be honest. Thank you, Texan. I appreciate the support. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Texas says, uh, how could you forget Teddy, fake Lions fan? No, we were talking about defensive players when we were doing the whole thing about guys who were in the NFL from that 2013-2012 team. It was all defensive players because we were were debating best defenses, whether or not this could be one of the best defenses in Louisville football history. Fake Lions. Don't call me a fake Lions (laughs) fan. 
If you're a Lions fan, you're not fake. Yeah, no kidding. Texas hot take using coaches' names and hashtags is annoying and screams, uh, pick me girl. Is that a shot at the bring bomb home guy? Sounds like it. Mick is the pick. Was it? Well, there's the there's the bring Patino home guy, which is just not not rhymy. No. And then there was a for a brief period. I don't know if there it still exists. There was like the Jay Wright guy, the right pick, the right pick. Yeah. who was spamming everybody. Uh, I haven't seen anybody else. I don't, I don't think I have either. Tangalang. Tang. <laughs> I'm sure there's some out there. Tang Tang Gang is one I've seen. Tang Gang, Tang Gang. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't really get it, but the Drew Tulu, the Bring Brum Home guy. Having success ultimately, I think, just ruined it because now everybody's doing it. Which the the Bring Patino guy, home guy, still doing. It. Every now and then, I'll see him in my mentions. I'm like, at some point, you've got to realize this just isn't going to work. Just no. because like, the Bring Brom home guy ultimately succeeded, that was always a plausible scenario. There is no world in which Rick Patino comes home. It's just not going to happen. I mean, we love it. I mean, how old is he at this point? Seventy six. Is he that old? I th- I want to say seventy two. I could be wrong. For some reason, last time I looked it up, I thought he was seventy six. He is. Oh, I was. Way wrong. 71. 71. Okay. Um, it's, it's still up there. Why do I think he was 76? But Rick will, ne- like, it would take, according to people that are close to him, like, first of all, it would not happen, which sucks because, according to everybody, like, Rick loves and misses Louisville. Like, yeah. they say that constantly. Like, in an ideal world, he would have loved to have come back. And I, I think he still feels like it was just, he wanted to end his career here. But it would take a a ton of just groveling, like like he he would want like heads on spikes, literally. I think to, to come no, back to Louisville. I, I'm pretty sure you're right. Too, and it, yeah. even then, I think he feels like he's got a good thing going at St. John's, which he does. They're playing good basketball. He loves the Big East. He loves the area. His whole family's up there now. Uh, some of his family stuck around here a little bit after for a little bit after he got bounced. Now they're all either there or down in Miami, Florida area, where he's got a house as well. So it's uh, I think he's I think he's comfortable with where he is right now which sucks texas mike in the four losses this season how come you placed all the blame on the players and not on the coaching staff oh that didn't happen (laughs) did not happen at all Uh, i mean i think we were uh, i think i was definitely critical of of jeff braun during those those four losses i mean there's no there's never been a game in history in basketball or football where a loss hasn't been some sort of combination of the coaches and the players, right? Right. It's like I didn't like the way that we like, – if you're saying that I, I should have called for, for Jeff to take Jack Plummer out of the game, like I, I don't think that that was – I was not I mean, somebody e- Even if he did of, put someone different in that pit game, they were still throwing that ball like crazy in a rainstorm. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that, that that was a mistake. I said that certainly after that game. I thought that we got too run happy or too pass happy. I think that Jeff – he was treating it like he was annoyed, like like he was like, I can't believe these guys are hanging around. I'm just going to knock them out with a with a with a knockout blow early in the second half. We're going to go for it on fourth down. Bleep it, Jamar's down there somewhere. Yeah, and we kind of just did that all. I thought that was that that was a mistake for sure. I think I mean USC game, we were ready to play, and then we somehow just didn't match their intensity at all. I think that that, that has to be on the coaching staff. Yeah, once you once USC showed that they weren't going to take this line down, I I don't think that Louisville really expected that. And the Kentucky game, I mean, you know. When you're hot, you're hot. I thought it was a huge mistake kicking to Dorian Baker. I mean, I, I think that was just – it was one of the ways that they could have beaten us. I think also you have, have to make sure that you're not picking up personal foul penalties and all that stuff, and we we didn't. And, you know, I think Jeff was – he was very clearly, like, not going to take that game lightly. He was very fired up about it. I think he was crushed after the game. But there were things that the coaching staff didn't do well in that game, for sure. Texas says, if we were <laughs> – 
we were to tar and feather KP, would the feathers have to be red? See, the, the, these things aren't going to happen. He's just going to get <laughs> fired and be a, a millionaire somewhere else. Like, if that was going to happen, I would get all the concerns about him being a good guy. And, like, we can't say these things about him, and you have to think about him. Like, well, he's you – know, if he was going to get tarred and feathered and paraded around downtown Louisville, it would be a different conversation. He's not. He's going to be fine. He's going to be happy. He's going to live a great life. I, I wouldn't think, be shocked if he takes another NBA assistant gig. I no. think he'll be happier. Like, like It was something that we brought up yesterday. I, I There's a part of me that's surprised that he's deflecting accountability on all the and seemingly fighting so hard to get a third year because Lord knows he's told us a lot of times how he had to be talked into taking this job. Mm-hmm. It never seems like he's having a good time. It, like, like He seems to be pissed off at everybody around him. Like I don't know. I don't, I don't know why he wants to be here so badly. I, I feel like he he should want to be somewhere else. It doesn't seem like this is a like it's almost like it's just a pride thing. I don't know. Uh, let's take our last break. When we come back, we'll get through as many texts as we can, and then we'll look ahead and make some picks for the weekend that will be. It's the Mike Rutherford Show here on the Big X. here inviting you to join me weekdays at 11 a.m. for the Hoosier Report. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers, interviews with prominent figures in Kentuckiana sports, and discussion of other sports topics important to Southern Indiana. That's the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Weekdays at 11 a.m. on the home for the Hoosiers, 1450 WXVW. Until about 10 years ago, for any electrical work I needed at my house, I was always calling a different electrician, sometimes for the same job. Things weren't done right and they weren't done on time, but for the last 10 years, Allen Electrical has been the only one I call. The work is unparalleled, it's prompt, the team's the epitome of professionalism. (laughs) You know, when I see an Allen Electrical truck in a neighbor's driveway, I kind of smile because I know they're getting the best. Allen Electrical, your electrician for life. Visit allenelectrical.com. They'll never leave you in the dark. Check out Thornton's all-new Southern Style Biscuits, the perfect complement to your morning breakfast sandwich. You will love the buttery goodness that will wake up your taste buds in the morning. Come on in and grab a breakfast sandwich today. Looking for an icy cold thirst quencher to keep your day going in the right direction? Well, right now, all 32-ounce fountain drinks and smaller are only 89 cents. You heard it right, only 89 cents. So come in today and grab a fountain drink from Thornton's. Hey, I love salsaritas. Why? Flame-grilled meats, house-made chips, fresh-made salsas. For fast takeout, office catering, or your summer celebration, try salsaritas. Visit them at St. Matthews or in Middletown or order online for special offers. We know to contact Indiana 811 at least two working days before every dig. Contact Indiana 811 and Whiteline before every project. Learn more at 811.safedigindiana.com. Sponsored by the Indiana Utility Regulatory Commission and aired by this station. Kratz Sporting Goods is Southern Indiana's team sports specialist and is your local Adidas team product dealer. Kratz specializes in outfitting your team, organization, club, or business in apparel, hard goods, and accessories from Adidas and many others. Kratz offers fundraising opportunities for your team, organization, or club through online web stores. Let our friendly staff get you started today by calling 812-282-5400 or visit and shop at our website at kratzsports.com. Are you tired of overpaying for sunglasses that you lose or break in the first week like Trevor Kelsey? Of course you are. 
It's Mike Rutherford here for Shady Rays. Polarized shades at a great price that you can try for 30 days risk-free. And even if you lose them or break them, they're going to send you a replacement pair. Plus, every pair you buy from Shady Rays goes to fight hunger in America. You can't beat that. Go to ShadyRays.com right now and place your order. And when you do, use promo code BIGX to receive a 25% discount on your purchase. John Spears for M&M Cartage. You see those trucks riding down the road with the M&M Cartage sign? You could be a driver or work as a mechanic on one of those trucks. For 45 years, M&M Cartage has been a locally family-owned transportation company, and they're currently hiring those drivers and mechanics. To join their team, go online to mmcartage.com to apply. Headquartered in Louisville with locations in Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Morristown, Tennessee, and Detroit. That's mmcartage.com to apply. The plumbers, pipe fitters, welders, and HVAC technicians of Local 502's commitment to excellence can be seen in our community every day. The KFC Yum Center, Ford Motor Company, and the Omni Hotel are just a few examples of their professional craftsmanship. Local 502 has been part of our community for over a century and invests over $1 million annually training skilled local workers. Members of Local 502 are your friends, neighbors, and children's coaches. For more information, go to lu502.com. Local 502, built on excellence, building a better tomorrow. the good guys bad for a weekend the bad guys good for a weekend <laughs> i hope this girl makes it someday <laughs> she has a promising future yeah she really does and they don't show her enough on the nfl broadcast it's catchy it's catchy we'll see uh, yeah. taylor swift will be headed to the the frigid tundra of buffalo this weekend to watch the chiefs play the bills i have loved the memes of like the the famous shot of hillary clinton walking into like the very like, like average room with like the, the the refrigerator and everyone being like this is Taylor Swift experiencing the the biggest five star hotel in Buffalo this weekend. Like that's mm. it, it, it's a funny joke. It's she'll it, it'll be a different world for her there, but we'll see how the, uh, the the Chiefs fare against the Bills. We'll pick some games coming up here at the end of this half hour. If you want to have your thoughts heard on the radio, you've got about twenty minutes to make that happen. Text us in at five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. We'll get to as many as we can. We got Matt McGavick from Louisville Report here in studio. Follow him on Twitter. At Matt underscore McGavick. Read his work over there at Louisville Report. He's doing a great job. Um, okay. 502-414-1450. Thornton's text line. Texture says, not all NFL tight ends can be as tough as Sam Laporta. You're damn right. I'm a Laporta supporter. I am, I'm actually shocked he was able to play in that game. It seemed like he was, he was going to be sidelined for a few games. It was a good thing, too, because unlike the situation in Baltimore where they've got Isaiah Likely to step up and be a very serviceable Pass catching tight end in in Mark Andrews stead, the Lions were down to like their practice squad tight end. If Laporta couldn't play, they've got two oh, other guys geez. that are hurt. Yeah, they would have been it would have been dire straits. And thankfully, he was able to play and, and played well for them. And hopefully, he's he's back to hundred percent this weekend. But he's tough. He's a little, I'm, I'm a Laporta supporter. Love him. <laughs> Texas says, is Brady Brom legitimately on the recruiting staff? Is he also a student? He is a student. I don't think he's he's not legitimately on the staff, but he is in like all every all staff meeting, which I did love Josh Hurd's comment about. He's like, he's like, I don't, he's like, aren't, why aren't you in school? He's like, this guy's in every meeting we have, but he's he's doing work. He's he does what he does. He's helping out in the transfer portal for sure. Texter says, uh, can Gary read me a bedtime story? I wouldn't want Scoots to because, well, <laughs> that's from Scoot Tater. 
<laughs> Gary, you do have a great bedtime story voice. Is that right? I think yeah. You, you kind of do. I can see you reading me to sleep with like a little. I don't know where the wild things are. Once upon a time, see, in a land far, far no, in a galaxy far, far away, in a world, in a world. <laughs> see, now that's that's a good voice. It's good right there. It, it puts me at ease. It just makes me happy. It's very I, ASMR. I still like the guy that texted you at one time when I was first filling in on the producer job that said that he wanted to hear me announce <laughs> "Leave It to Beaver." <laughs> 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 Leave it to Beaver. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Yeah, be a good baseball PA announcer. Yeah, Scoots would be terrible at reading stories. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the Kermit voice just doesn't. Like, <laughs> I think Scoots has a good voice. It's just not good for certain. Things. Batting fifth, Chai Chai Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> Number five. Texture says, uh, so what happens when KP says that next year is actually his year one if, heaven forbid, he gets another year? I actually would love it if Kenny Payne just fully just just bought into the, the troll job. If Kenny Payne, if he gets a, a year three and he starts off like two and seven and he just comes out and he's like, he's like, I view this as my first year. Like, What if Kenny Payne is just a master troll this whole time? Like, I mean, that's probably why he's playing Zan Payne so much. That's what I said. I was like, I was like. He gets this look on his face when they show him on the sidelines when Zan's in games where he's like, oh, they hate this so much. Oh, I'm loving it. I can't wait to check Twitter after this game to see what they're doing. I, I love like, Danny on the podcast talking about how if they had cameras on him when he's giving the whole, it's actually year one, if he's like winking at Rick Bozich in the back. He's like, wink, wink. <laughs> We're really going to piss them off this time. This is going to be hilarious. Just, just, two, just two old guys, just old veterans, old wily vets, just pissing off the younger crowd, just loving it. Texas, I liked Kenny Payne more when we didn't know what he sounded like and we could imagine that he sounded like Mickey Mouse. Those were, were, were better times. That was one of my first when we were talking when it was becoming apparent this time two years ago that Kenny Payne was going to be the front runner and we were looking up like Kenny Payne stuff. And I was like, I don't think we've ever heard this man talk. Like, like nobody's like, everyone's talking about like they know Kenny Payne. I was like, what if he just came out the first press conference? He's like, give me a C. And it didn't happen. It's not the way that he talks, but it was funny to think about. I kind of had like that reaction of like when I fir- finally heard uh, Patrick Mahomes talk for the first time. Like this man sounds like that. Sounds like uh, Kenny Powers. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's even funnier when you hear what his dad sounds like. There are every now and then, like when people like if you if you've ever had the experience, and I'm sure that everyone listening has, an actor that you've loved when they they talk and they're they're British. The first time that you hear them off air, and you're like, oh my god, I had no like when um. When the wire was getting really popular, mm-hmm. the guy was Dominic who who played McNulty. He's Dominic West, right? Yeah, Dominic West. The first time that I like I, I knew that Idris Elba was was British, which was a huge shock for a lot of people when he yeah. became, when, when he got famous playing uh, Stringer Bell. But the first time that I heard Jimmy McNulty talk after a show in, in one of those like behind the episode HBO specials, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> no idea whatsoever. It shook me to the core. And I think if you've ever had that experience, it's it's hard to come back from. And the and the doctor who played uh, Doctor House, when you'd hear yeah. him talk, it, it's gotten to a point where like, I don't trust. I, I just assume that everyone's British, just for my my well being, for my mental health, because I'm I don't want to take the shock. It's like oh Drew Carey, yeah he's British, from Wales. <laughs> he's got a, he's got a little Welsh accent. Texas says no need to go back to this discussion though. I mean, who cares? We're in basketball hell. That's the guy who's texting about the what if Malik didn't get hurt. No, oh, yeah. I mean, what what does any of this matter? We are in basketball. I mean, that was my whole thing yesterday. We we're, we're in basketball hell. Like everyone's talking about, like things will get worse if we do this. Things will get worse if it, it, it can't get worse. And if it does, like who cares? There are like 
layers of hell. It's it's just varying degrees. Like we're we're still just we're in that the, the Earth's core. We're down there. We're down. We have I to mean, start clawing up. You say that, but then I mean, so did um, Clark Griswold and um. I know. I, I mean, I, every time I say it, it somehow <laughs> gets worse. But you know, again, you say we're in the threshold of hell. It's levels of hell. We're we're just it's still hell. It's like even the best layer of hell is not good. We just need to we we just need to get out of hell. Is my point. Texas says, what's Kenny Payne's favorite NFL team? Depending on what it is, Josh Hurd can use that as incentive for him to quit and use his buyout money for Super Bowl tickets. It worked for Chris Mack. <laughs> That's a good text. Uh, he 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 did see like it, it was. I mean, like, it, it was just almost insulting how happy he looked going to the Super Bowl. Like Chris Mack never looked that happy at all at Louisville. No. Than than he did when he was going to the Super Bowl to support the Bengals. Are you surprised that we haven't seen Chris Mack get back into coaching yet? And do you think that he will at some point in the relatively near future? I see. I thought he would take a year off and then get back into somewhere. But then he started doing the podcast with the Field of 68 guys with Jeff Goodman and whatnot. And I think he probably seems happy doing that. I mean, and coaching is a grind. Do you if do you really want to get back into that after taking a, like a year or two off? I wouldn't. The like like the the initial buzz from people that knew him better than I did when he when when the whole parting of ways happened was that he did want to get back into coaching but he wanted to wait until his girls graduated high school like like they were like they were both going to like a Sacred Heart at that point in time and he want I think one was a was going to be a sophomore and the other was going to be a senior mm-hmm. and he wanted to wait until they both were out I think now because they moved to Florida I believe to, because his the one daughter went to school in Florida and the other got into IMG Academy and she's going to go play volleyball at, at Vandy next year. And so I think this will be the next year. After. Like, I do think that he'll get back into coaching at some point in time, but I think he was he's one of those guys who just – we talk about basketball psychos. You want the, the people who are the right kind of crazy. Guys like Rick Pitino who, you know, in every story that's been written about his post-Louisville life, they talk about those first few months when he was just not doing anything and just like yeah. – like, was driving him crazy. Like, like everyone hated him because he just was so unhappy. Like I don't think Chris Max that that way. Like he – I think he can live a very happy life just being... Yeah, he seems content not being in coaching. He really does. Going to the lake, cheering on the Bengals and the Reds. and just, yeah, He's yeah. not one of those guys that just absolutely has to eat, sleep, and breathe basketball. He's he's someone that seems like he can take that the work away from his like personal life. He's not, which is why I do wonder if his tenure at Louisville was always going to end the same way. You know, We, we talked about the, the big what-ifs and what if we had gotten a chance to play in the 2020 NCAA tournament and made a run, or what if we had... You know, gotten into the 2021 NCAA tournament, he hadn't had to fire people. At some point, like the, you have to be cut a certain way to have a sustained run of success at a place like Louisville or Kentucky or yeah. UNC or you know some of these other ones where we just we take it more seriously than everybody else. And he doesn't seem like he's that guy. So I do wonder if at some point it was just going to be, hey, like he's just not getting it done. And like, like right now we would be like, okay, we got to we have to cut ties. He's just. We're going to be an eight seed this year. That's not good enough, which, oh, you sweet summer souls. You sweet summer childs. <laughs> Texas says Matt's voice does not match his face. I'll never forget the time that I looked up Mike to see what he looked like and was shocked because it wasn't what I was expecting. Does anybody's face ever actually match their voice? You know, that's not the first time I've ever had someone tell me that. Well, because nobody ever says, like, hey, you're exactly what I thought you looked like when I was just listening to you. I would have all the people, uh, all the t- when I first started doing this and when Card Chronicles started getting a decent amount of followers and I would meet people in public, they'd all be like, oh, like you don't look like the way that I thought you would look. Because everyone has this image of the, 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 you know, the, the person whose words they're reading in their head 
and it's it's impossible for it to be like entirely accurate. Like I don't know. I mean, I think people had an idea that I wasn't like seven foot tall or something like that, or <laughs> like an NFL player. But yeah, you, you know, I don't think anybody looks the way that they sound. It's funny because the very first time that I met you. Now, granted, this was like pretty recently post like COVID, and you were still dealing with your long COVID stuff. It was at the um the annual like media. Louisville Media Golf Scramble or whatever uh-huh. that, that thing is, and you were just pale white, skinny. Yeah. And I'm like, this man looks like he's about to die. I was, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was that was rough. the very first time I met you. I'm like, is this, is that Mike? Was that true? Was that the first time? I mean, because I, I didn't go the one year it was real bad, but I was, uh, it was pretty. I mean, I lost. It might have been like another year after that, but it yeah. was one of those. I, I need to find like the happy medium between that because I, I did. I lost like forty pounds and I got to like my eighth grade weight and it was like, it was one of those where like I wasn't changing anything. It was I wasn't trying to actively do it. I just got real real sick and unfortunately I've put on all that weight and a little bit too much since then. So haven't we all? Yeah, I know. Hopefully it can we can we can find a happy medium there. Texas, I'm a big a big fan of Taylor being paid played too. In addition to Matt being a co-host, loves Matt as the co-host, loves Taylor being on played on the show. I love both those things too. Hey, Mike's bosses, if you're listening. Texas, of course, Chris Mack moved to Florida. This is a a political (laughs) tax. No comment. Uh, Texter says, Mike looks like Jim Rome. I do not look like Jim Rome. That is not true at all. I'd kill for that hair, for sure. I'd kill for hair, period. Texas, please tell me that Matt brushes his teeth. Yes. Yeah, I think that's, is that a Trevor reference? I don't know. Texas, Chris Beard is a psycho. Yeah. Texas, Matt Jones' uh, face matches his voice. I'm not going to read the second part. <laughs> Texas says, Diener definitely looks the way that he sounds. So does Danny from the podcast. Honestly, Trevor does also. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Texas says, this is for Gary. Please say in a world completely underwater, Waterworld 2, this time it's even more underwater. <laughs> Please do. What was it? In a world, in a world that's compl- underwater. Completely underwater. Okay. In a world. Waterworld water 2, this time it's even more underwatery. In a world. <laughs> You'd have to write that down. I, I, I'm old. I, my memory's shot. It's good. I mean, I, I'm, I'm relatively young, and I, I don't remember it either. So You know, the people, when they meet me, they go, you look like that guy that used to be an anchor over on Channel 41. <laughs> Barry Burnson. I'm like, no. <laughs> I love Barry Burnson. Texture says, maybe I have my red glasses on, but I don't see how we're not comfortably second in next year's football ACC projections. We got second this year and have already gotten so much better in the portal. I'm so excited to attend our home playoff game next year. I'll tell you this. I mean, whenever the ACC media poll comes out, we're not going to be eighth next year. Like, no. We may not be first. Like It's going to be hard for Florida State or Clemson not to be one-two in some order, I feel like, just because we're so conditioned to that, even after the last couple I just, of years. I, I don't want... Well, I do agree with there. I don't want voters to place Miami on the pedestal because while tell they you get, right while now, they get, it's gonna happen. I know, but while they get guys, while Mario Cristobal, great recruiter, terrible coach, and he's proved that many times at this point. So you can have all the players you want, but like at some point they have to be coached. I would be willing to bet. Circle this now. January nineteenth, we're like what seven months away from the actual poll coming out. Mm-hmm. I'd be willing to bet it's going to be Florida State. Clemson, Miami, Louisville. If I had to guess, yeah. If I had to guess, you're probably right. Hell, they may put North Carolina above us. It's the ACC media. They may put North Carolina third. You never know. Texas coaching is teaching. Yeah, yeah. Short, sweet, to the point. Texas says Billy Donovan is next head coach. 
this person's last three texts, and these are all from like the last month, are just all about Billy Donovan. And then before Billy it, Donovan's not coming here. Before it was four straight uh, tweets, uh, texts about Eric Musselman. Billy Donovan's, I don't think, coming back to college basketball ever, unless he's just absolutely forced to. And even then, the game's changed so much. I, I mean, I'm not saying I would turn down Billy Donovan. I, I'm just saying no. I don't know how much he wants to do the job. But yeah, if we could get Billy Donovan, I would. <laughs> that's that's like getting Rick Pitino back in 2001. <laughs> not a lot of coaches out there that have won national titles. Texture says. Uh, it's about developing players. Are you ready and developing a team? It is. I mean, I guess in Payne's defense, you can look at a couple guys and say that they've gotten – I think Brandon Holly Heifel's gotten better since he got here. He has. I think that – He actually looks like the five-star prospect that came out of high school. He does. Like, like he, He's a guy – you look at him and you're like, man, this guy's got every skill. Like, like In the right system, I think with the right level of motivation, uh, I feel like he could be a – really dominant college basketball player. And I like he's the one guy that I look at, and I'm like, I, I wonder what the future holds for him, regardless of if we bring Payne back or not or, or whatever it is. Because he, he came here and openly said, I want to be a one-and-done at Louisville. Like, I, like last year he came here with the intention of being in the yeah. NBA draft. He's back. He's playing better. He's still not on anybody's NBA draft board. But does he really want to play a fourth year of college basketball? It doesn't seem like it. Is that desire to not – play college basketball so strong that he's willing to just go play overseas or maybe get sign a two-way contract with somebody i don't know like i, I i'm very curious to see what he does moving forward because i feel like everybody else like sky clark i'd be shocked if he doesn't play another year of college basketball somewhere yeah. trey white same way all the freshmen like would love to have all, any of the freshmen back i think that they're all very promising and i love their attitudes and those guys have gotten better too this year i think curtis williams you've seen get better tyler johnson is still very much feaster fam and caleb glenn He's going to have to develop as an offensive player to, if, yeah. if, if you're going to talk about him being I mean, like a starter. Yeah, he's he's still very raw, but by God, he's going to get five fouls. He's, he's going to get five fouls, and he's, he's, he's going to battle on the boards for sure. Texas says the only thing that is getting through this basketball season is that we land a new exciting coach in March and that UK gets upset in the first round by a 13 or 14 seed. Yeah, we need UK to lose. We need UK to, to not like go to a Final Four. Texas, hey Mike, I don't know. KP is KP really a nice guy? Do not okay. Yeah, we've, we've, we've <laughs> yeah we've covered. We've this. had this text before. I, I get it. I, I I get it for sure. Texas radio ratings are like college cheerleading national championships. Everybody gets one. It does seem like there are a lot of national championship cheerleaders out there. Yeah, yeah there there's so many like governing bodies when it comes to that. Because I know I've heard both the Ladybirds say they're X number of champions, but then I've also heard like Kentucky's cheerleaders do the same thing, and I'm like. Are they? They've got to be different. They compete bodies. in different. The, the yeah. Kentucky is technically NCAA. We're what NDA, like the National Dance Association. I so think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's something like basically we compete in two different leagues. What the, the tiebreaker though is when Glee was talking about one of their main characters going to the the preeminent cheerleading program in America, they chose Louisville. Mm. It's the Glee tiebreaker. That means we're the best program. We're Second. number one. We're number one. Texas says go Crats. Yeah. Texas, call him a pompous ass, Mike. Don't be a coward. Oh, that's from your previous text. I was like, who's, I was like, who's that even about? <laughs> Texture says, I have no idea if Gary looks like Barry Burnson, but I've said this before. He sounds identical to Gary Rodemeyer. You've gotten that before, too. I remember that, yeah. Yeah. Looks like Barry Burnson, talks like Gary Rodemeyer. Both compliments in my book. Back to you, Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> Texas says, I'm pretty sure I have a good idea of what Gary looks like, and it's the guy from Office Space who loves his stapler. No. No. He doesn't look like Milton. Kind of, sort of. No, not at all. No. 
Texas says, Bill Ashburn, Matt Sims, or Justin Burke, who you got? Justin Burke. He was the only one of those guys who was an actual starter here. Justin Burke was fine. He was not not what we wanted, not, not up to the standard, but for that year, at the end of the season, he was fine. Yeah. Give me Justin Burke. Matt Sims was flicking off guys in, in high school games on national TV before he yeah, even got here. That's true. Texas says, I- I'll bet your kid's college fund on the over of the Wake Forest team total and the Hunter Salas points. I don't know what either is, but both will probably hit. Or no, what you should bet is the is the uh, second half cover, whatever that is. Yeah, for us, yes, we're we're just we're rolling teams in second half of games. Yeah, whatever this second half spread is, bet that. Texture says, uh, "Sorry, I meant that Mike sounds like Jim Rome and looks like the kid on the Wonder Years. I don't I don't look like that either. <laughs> we're talking about people that have hair. I I don't have I don't I don't have enough hair anymore. You've got more hair than me. Well." I mean, we're both just cut from the same follicle family, that for is, sure. That is very true. Uh, let's, let's pick some games. We, we've got a loaded slate of, of action this weekend. We've not talked at all about Wake Forest, by the way. Do we need to? No. I mean, no, we really don't. What do you need to know? It's. I love Steve Forbes. I've been on the record. I think he, he's done a little bit of a – I'm surprised that he hasn't done more, but they seem to be pretty good this year. He's done well in the transfer portal. They're 12-5 and five overall, 4-2 and two in the ACC – they are uh, more of an offensive heavy team than they are defensively. They can score in waves. They're a very good shooting team. Number 20 in the country when it comes to three-point shooting percentage. Uh, they're shooting uh, 38.2% from three. Very good free throw shooting team. They're just a good offensive team. Not great defensively. They don't force. They try to force you inside the three-point line. We'll see how we handle that. Um, Kevin Miller, very good. Hunter Salas, very good. Cameron Hildreth, we've talked about before, very good. Andrew Carr, very good. Monsanto lit Louisville up last year. He's coming back. He's he's eligible to play tomorrow. And I, I, Wake Forest, I can see them. I think they're going to make the tournament this year. We're talking about the ACC potentially only getting three or four teams in the don't, field. Yeah, I don't see that happening. I think you don't think so? I think the ACC is going to cannibalize itself some, but I don't think it's only going to get three teams. And I, I no. can see them getting four or five. They'll, they'll get a few more. Uh, I, I, I can see... I can see Virginia riding the ship enough to get into the NCAA tournament. They had a relatively strong non-conference resume. Clemson, I think, still is in good shape. The issue for Wake Forest is like they're going to have to be pretty sparkling in conference play because their non-con resume, they lost to Georgia, who's not very good. Utah's not a terrible loss. It's a good Utah team. LSU's kind of a rough loss. They've got a good win over Florida and an okay win over Rutgers, but they probably need to finish like 15 and five in the conference, maybe 14 and six with a win in the ACC tournament to feel good about their chances. I think they can get that done. Um, we'll see, but they cannot lose games like tomorrow's at home no. to the worst team in the conference, which is why I think we'll get their best shot before we pick that game. Let's run through the NFL games, uh, make some predictions for that. We've got tomorrow. It's divisional series Saturday, four 30 on ESPN and ABC. The Texans are on the road taking on Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Lamar, his struggles in the playoffs, well documented. We talked about them at the beginning of the show. Still, Baltimore, the top seed in the playoff in the AFC. Lamar, the runaway favorite to win the Most Valuable Player award, and they are a nine and a half point home favorite in this game. It's going to be just twenty eight degrees at kickoff. It's going to be cold. We'll see how that affects anybody. But uh, Matt McGavick, who do you like to win? Who do you like to cover? Here? I think the Texans cover, but I think the Ravens win. I think it'll be a close cover. I think it, it could be one that kind of teeters on like the nine ten point, depending on if like someone kicks a late field goal or something. But I, th- I think the Ravens win here. I'm gonna say the same thing. I'm gonna say Baltimore twenty seven twenty, where it's a little dicey early. Maybe Lamar makes a mistake and everybody starts saying, "Oh, here we go, here we go," and then Baltimore assumes control and just kind of keeps it within 
shouting distance uh, away from the Texans. The nightcap, 8-15 on Fox, the seventh-seeded Cinderella Green Bay Packers on the road, taking on the top seed in the NFC, the San Francisco 49ers. Same spread here in Santa Clara, where it's going to be 62 degrees at kickoff. San Francisco is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Who wins, who covers? Give me the Niners to win and cover. I mean, they've got too many weapons on both sides of the ball. This is the game that I feel like I have the least handle on. I, mean, I may be wrong about everything, but this is the one that I, I just am admitting I've got no idea how this is going to play out. Green Bay has been pretty impressive the last like five, six games. Yeah. San Francisco, you know, Brock Purdy showing some. You know, little... CMC's finally healthy. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I'm going to take. I, I'm going to. My, my initial thought is to follow you, and I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to say San Francisco wins, and San Francisco does cover. I'll say Niners by 13. Sunday, three o'clock, the biggest of all the games. Buccaneers on the road taking on the mighty Lions of Detroit. Detroit's a six and a half point home favorite. Three o'clock kickoff on NBC. Matt McGavick. Make the right choice here. I think the the Lions Rams game was a little bit closer than I would have expected, but I think I think the Bucks do cover, but I think the Lions win. I think the Lions are going to win a cover. I know it's a waxing it's a waxing give us. I, I was very pessimistic last week. That's true. I'm naturally a pessimistic guy. I, I feel good about this game, which terrifies me. I'm going to say the Lions win with a minor cover. Let's say 30-22. Lions get it done and move on to the NFC Championship game. Then I, I think this is the biggest game of the weekend. This is the, the one that oh, yeah, the absolutely. most people are excited about. Chiefs-Bills, 6.30 on CBS. Buffalo, two-and-a-half-point favorite. Do they get revenge on Kansas City after two playoff losses in the last three years? I think Josh Allen and the Bills exercise those Patrick Mahomes-sized demons, and they both win and cover. I think they do, too. I'm, I'm taking Buffalo to win. I think they, they win by, like, 10. Uh, and, and then the big game on tomorrow, <laughs> Louisville. On the road, taking on Wake Forest. We don't have a spread here. I'm assuming it's going to be somewhere in that. Uh, like that, 16, yeah. Yeah, like 14, maybe 13 and a half. Somewhere around there. Uh, how do the cards fare? I think Wake wins and covers. I'm going to say Wake wins. I'm going to say Louisville keeps the covering streak going, though. This feels like an 80 to 72 type game. And we come here on Monday and we talk about the same stuff we've been talking about. <laughs> Matt McGavick, thank you so much for filling in. We always love having you here. Thanks for having me on. Everyone have a fantastic weekend. Go Cards. Talk to you on Monday. Somewhere off from the big wide world. Kentucky Atlas, only locally owned sports talk. 1450 and 96.1 FM. The Big X Sports Radio. WXVW Jeffersonville.